Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I said amazing. Uh, just listen to the 9 o'clock news with Lana O'Connor. She had a piece in there with somebody who was saying, how do you get the message out to people who don't watch television news, don't read newspapers, uh, and perhaps, unfortunately, don't listen to enough talk radio? How do you get the message out to them? Because you see the numbers now. 70% of those numbers yesterday are under 45 years of age. And if you drilled in even more, which they should do every day, and give us the breakdown from 19 to 25s, or even 19 to 34s, and 35s to 45s, that would make a lot more sense. We could get a better handle on the positive test. The majority of them in Dublin and Kildare, to be honest, but 217 yesterday. It dominates all of the papers. A sore point, they call it, S-O-A-R. It's the highest jump in infection since May. The big difference, of course, is that no deaths, nobody's dying at the moment. And God, fingers crossed that that uh, continues with uh, no deaths and that sooner or later those numbers will get under control and we'll look towards a virus. But what will be the next um, virus to... I know I shouldn't start the morning like that. Scratch that bit. Uh, parents are in fo- will be forcing will be facing enforced unpaid leave now with s- school testing positive. You know the the story up the country where a, a whole class at uh, class of children at a primary school in Dublin were sent home as a precautionary measure after one child tested positive uh, for COVID nineteen. Now it's thought that the child didn't pick it up, but in in the school, but that's kind of irrelevant. But uh, there people are asking for government action to help parents with the cost of having to re- remain home uh, with their uh, children. Should the children have to isolate? Um, you know, they can't go to work and not everybody can work remotely. The TikTok story, of course, continues to gain traction. It leads the front of the mirror today. This is the video. It's a clip of a group of teenage girls um, guessing who would get COVID-19 next. One of the gang tested positive and then they were all online sharing their own little video clips as to who they thought would get COVID from the girl who tested positive because they were parting. And unfortunately, like the papers are picking up on this morning, you see in the video, uh, when they were out partying, um, they were doing a lot of kissing and hugging and apparently something that's becoming very prevalent among some young people and teenagers, licking each other, by all accounts. Uh, so there's a lot of trouble over that because, um, you know, it, it's kind of... It's kind of reckless talk, really, and uh, it kind of gives an example of how maybe young people just don't get it. If you have a pub and you block the cops when they want to come in to inspect it, denying entry to a Garda uh, who's trying to inspect a pub for compliance now will result in a €2,500 fine upon conviction. That's part of the, 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 the new government legislation that was published yesterday. Now, the government comes back today. I think there'll be a lot of roaring and screaming over uh, Golfgate, that hasn't gone away because the doll hasn't had an opportunity to talk about the Clifton event. So I'm sure they'll be doing that today when they come back two weeks earlier from their holidays. But living in Ireland just got dearer. You notice a lot of prices have been going up there recently and the latest one now apparently is your energy bills. Soon as one of them announce a price hike, they will all follow. And the Mail says this morning that Electric Ireland are first out of the traps. Uh, so it's getting a hell of a lot dearer as we go across the winter. The motor industry are hurting big time. There's been a slump in registrations and the outlook according to the Mirror for the motor industry is bleak to say the least. It's operating at business levels of 10 years ago um, and uh, many many jobs are being shed and cars are just backing up new cars because people aren't buying so they're just sitting in forecourts and lots um, where cars are 
because nobody seems to be wanting to take the plunge on a big spend like that. Leaving certificate comes out on Monday and the Irish Times leads with it this morning. They say a higher leaving cert grade will push up the CAO points. The Independent is suggesting that there'll be a bumper result on Monday for leaving cert students. They say bumper exam grades will drive soaring points in the college race. You can't really win on that one, can you? And the tragic story of the Irish school guard, Nora Quarren. You remember she went missing and then her body was found in the Malaysian jungle. Oh my God, I've been following that over the last few days because the inquest has been ongoing. And it seems as, you know, she was lost. She was found uh, lying in a stream. Oh my God, in a little rocky slope um, and apparently she'd been dead for four days before she was found and the inquest said she died of starvation oh it's such a tragic tragic story um, she had died from internal bleeding of her intestine following a period of prolonged hunger and stress uh, no evidence of kidnapping and no evidence of sexual assault an absolute tragedy papers also today talk of a couple of stories of interest on Lisa do you know that this year is the 30th anniversary of the double my god is it 30 years ago since I was talking about and celebrating that Oh my God, 30 years ago. So 30 years on, Marymount and uh, a lot of other people on Leaside want to mark the occasion and they're asking people, and maybe we'll come back to this in the coming days. We won the double, the Cork Senior Hurlers in 1990 uh, and the the footballers as well um, over Galway. Um, And what they want to do is they want rebels to go red for Cork on September 16th. Like, wear red. Um, and, you know, I suppose to some extent, celebrate the historic double of 30 years ago. The proceeds will go to Marymount and the GEA. And they're asking people to, you know, share their photographs of going red. It's something that Red FM could get very much behind, actually, going red on September 16th. Maybe the radio station would uh, like to get on board and just push the hell out of it. 30th anniversary. And then there's a group of UCC students who want to have a street in Cork renamed after Frederick Douglass. We already have a Douglas Street, right? But the, uh, the new one would be Douglas spelt with two S's. And Frederick Douglass actually visited Cork many, many years ago in the mid-1800s. And I believe he stayed, if I remember correctly, in the Imperial Hotel. And he, he gave a speech in the Imperial Hotel back in the 1840s or 50s. Actually, Sorry, my apologies. The echo have of this morning was in 1845. He was born a slave in Maryland before escaping at the age of 20. And he was a big civil rights campaigner for the rights of black people even that long ago. And you see students want um, a Cork Street named after him. Uh, what street they pick, I'm not 100% sure. And then why nobody came up with the idea, this idea before, I have no idea. But I saw it in the papers this morning where Holly Willoughby, her from the telly, has a face mask of her face. I mean, what an ingenious... You know one of those ideas where you think of, why didn't I think of that before? I guess you take a photograph of somebody um, and you make a mask out of their face. So when you put the mask on, it's actually a mask of your face. So you pretty much look the same with the mask on. Now, people still can't tell whether you're smiling or snarling, but I suppose if the mask has you smiling in the photograph... You'll be smiling. Uh, it's a great idea. I wonder would it catch on. Some entrepreneur might pick up on it. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Oh, and listen, what what baby names are cool these days? The papers pick up on it. Uh, Lana O'Connor announced it on the air yesterday morning that the singer Ed Sheeran and his wife. I mean, why don't they say what her name is? Why do I have to read Ed Sheeran and his wife? What's her name? They've welcomed their first child, a girl called Lyra Antarctica Seaborn Sheeran. My God, that's a powerful name, isn't it? 
<laughs> anyway, congratulations to Mammy and un, uh, to Daddy and unnamed Mammy. Papers are, um, you know, also talking a lot about health issues, which I'll come back to a little later on this morning. We had a lot of interest yesterday in our conversation about vegans and indeed the vegetarian diet. It got quite emotional and heated at one stage. So more on that. Uh, Emily says, I cannot believe school is back and I'm seeing kids as young as eight walking in the dark. What kind of parents do they have? Do they not have any shame? Yes, it is getting darker. And as the the days and weeks go on, we lose light in the morning and we lose light in the afternoon. So um, that's just the way it is when summer changes to autumn and autumn changes to winter. Uh, Talking about changes, actually, we spoke a lot about education yesterday and UCC and CIT not giving reductions in fees. And there were people suggesting that they should. Can I stay with kind of an educationally related story? Brendan, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Appreciate the email, my friend, and appreciate even more that you've come on air. This has to do with some ads, actually, that I saw on the lads were showing me ads on Facebook there a couple of weeks ago from people looking for host homes for international students. You wanted to pick up on international students. Go ahead. I, yeah, Neil, look, I, I felt it kind of went under the radar recently. Like, at the moment, you know, what's dominating the news with schools returning and stuff like that. Um, I just feel like, is this, is this uh, any need for this to be happening this year, you know? What is happening, though? Explain to me. Well, you see, you have a, a, a bunch of international students coming here to Cork. Now, I know that some of them would maybe be doing exchange programs in certain secondary schools, um, also in the English language centres and stuff like that. Now, you have a lot of students coming from non-green listed countries coming into households here in Cork and stuff like that. And I'm just wondering, like, under HSE guidelines and stuff, like, do families have to self-isolate with these students arriving as well? Well, one, what would what would the protocol be for students coming in from overseas? Would well, they have to come already yeah. tested or go into quarantine for a foreigner? What? Well, apparently they're already tested before they arrive, and then they're tested again when they arrive, I think is the protocol anyway, Neil. Um, like, to, to be honest with you, like, can, can you see, like, you know, um, you know, some people would take two students, we say, for example, would be staying in the house, um, you know, in the three-bedroom or four-bedroom family, plus the whole family as well. Like, can people self-isolate in that? Like, because my issue would be with... Um, you say the mental health of these like young students that are coming over from a foreign country to a strange place, do they have to be locked into the bedroom for the two weeks? Um, you know what I mean? Will there be many? I mean, you don't have any numbers, do you? No, not not off the top of my head. I know last year 18,000 international students came over to Ireland, we say, last year under the exchange programme. Now, that could, you know... It could obviously rise more with college students, we say, but I'm kind of... And how could I find out a figure? 18,000 was a lot and a good chunk of them would have come to Cork. How could I find out the figure for this year and how could I also find out what countries they came from? I wouldn't know. I've been trying to look it up myself, Neil, and I just can't seem to find it at all. That was my issue with it, you see. I don't think it was really broadcast that much about, uh, we say, what is happening with international students coming And is there any truth in the part of your email where you said that that students are being forced to come because they can't get refunds? Yes. um, At the moment, you see, there is one agency. uh, It's not, they're not, they're a UK-based agency that look after, um, you know, finding host families and sending these students over here on exchange programmes. And I felt like 
you know, as a you know, as a parent and stuff, w- would you send your child now in the current climate no. to no. a foreign country? No, nor know? would I be terribly happy with people coming into the country from uh, non-green listed countries and staying in host families' homes. No, I wouldn't be happy with that either. No, and like in Cork at the moment, like we were doing really well as well. We, you know, very little community transmission uh, cases and. Like and I feel that with all this happening and going ahead, I feel all oh, that could be put at risk again. Like you've had 217 new infections yesterday alone. You've had a, a class full of students in Dublin sent home as well. You know, and I just, I just feel the added stress to everything else. Um, having a number of these students here because also like it, it you know, it's public transport at the moment um, is stretched. And like, because they can only have limited numbers on buses. Now, all these students that come over, a majority of them be staying with host families. Where would they be from ordinarily? Like, what countries? Ordinarily, it would be France, Germany, Italy, um, Spain, um, all over Europe, really, there would be. And, you know, a lot of these students will have to use public transport to go, we say, from Carriglane to wherever they're... Um, but it didn't happen this summer. Like, usually during the summer, we'd have students over from those countries learning English. Remember, you'd often see them yeah. hanging around in yeah. groups, like in the Douglas area, you see them sitting in parks and chatting with their mates. Yes. There could be well, Italian yeah. and Spanish and Portuguese and French, but they never came. No, and I think that's with a different, uh, you know, a different scheme, whatever. But the language is. schools are different. They're older. They are, they are, yes. This one, though, like, um, look, I, I'll take from my own experience, a relation of mine um, refused it this year, um, and they were actually trying to offer her more students into the house as well, you know, so some families were dropping out. Okay, well. so you this used to do there. this, did you? Yeah, well, yeah, family okay. members of mine did, yeah. Okay, and what happened this year? They decided not to take them from the company in the UK. Yeah, well, like, you know, to, to be honest with you, like, it felt like um, because of guidelines and, you you know, we, like, we've elderly members of our family and so and some people in the at-risk category as well, just wasn't viable to do it. Um, now, I know a fair whack of host families um, in around the suburbs around Cork are still taking these students. I know there has been a few of them that have arrived last week. I had one case yesterday there where we, we know a tradesman who was working in a house and he seen these two students were literally locked in the bedroom and they were up there all day um, and they were only just being there, you know, giving plates of food and stuff like that. And then So the two students in that house came into the country and will stay in the bedroom for a fortnight, is it? It is, yeah. And and these are 14-year-olds, Neil. And I don't know about you, but when I was 14, could, would you be able to stay in the bedroom for... Uh, to, uh, and their families no, still sent them over to Ireland knowing that. Yes, well, I don't know what they know in the full picture because, um, as I said, like this, this is a very big. We wouldn't say a money spinner, but there's a lot of money. There's a lot of people making money from this. You know what I mean? Between host families getting money for hosting these students, the agencies collecting money off the parents of these students as well. Okay, all, all the other associated stuff that goes with it. You know, and you also believe that it's a slap in the face to all frontline workers for their hard work during this time. It, it is, and all sacrifices that people have made. Um, we say, you know, in the community and stuff like that, doing their best to adhere to uh, guidelines, you know. A lot of people have made sacrifices. Like, like Neil, you can't even jump on it. Like, they're telling you uh, travelling is uh, only essential as well. Why do I, like, is these students learning English here in Cork that essential? 
Let me um, firstly con- contact that company in the UK. So I'll put you on hold for their details. And secondly, if there's anybody that is taking or has taken international students in Cork, maybe they might like to call and just let us know what the protocol is with regards to where they're from. Will they be quarantining the home and things like that? We'll see if I get a response to it. Okay. Uh, thank you. No, thank you, Brendan. Appreciate you getting in touch. Text 086-8104106 on that one. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with regards to college fees. Lots of different emails and texts on that. Um, this is the um, uh, selection of the online fee charge for students is yet another scam on top of everything else. A form of theft of distort or extortion used by third level institutions to make financial dem- demands purely on the basis that tutoring students is now online. If anything, uh, the fees charged for students should be cheaper. Another one, my son is doing BIS and CIT, was charged €3,007 for this year. The €7, if you ask, is for insurance. He will not be going to college for lectures. Um, There's an option, though, to split the fees in two. The deal is that they don't get the results of the exams, though, until the final payment is made. So they pay full whack. My daughter signed paperwork for Susie four years ago as her dad. Um, uh, as my hi, I signed my daughter's paperwork as her dad, and they wouldn't give her a grant. I'm not her biological father. She signed the Susie application this year and told them she has disowned us, and she received the funding. Isn't that incredible? Disown your parents and get Susie funding. I've previously worked with the grant process, so I've experience with this. Uh, in this circumstance, Joan's circumstance, whose um, you know husband just went away and she came down to Cork with her son and he wants to go to college. Susie should accept the affidavit from Joan uh, that she is separated from her husband. Um, another one, I'm, I'm from Cork, I'm working at a university in Sydney, Australia. I listen to you every day. Irish people have no idea how lucky we are to have an education available to us in Ireland so cheaply. Students here in Australia have fees of up to 10,000 per year. Essentially, they get a loan from the Australian government and they pay it back through tax once they're working. International students coming to Australia pay 40000 or more per year. And they're also all studying from home in Australia. I suppose the point being there is you have no idea how lucky you are anyway. Spare a thought for pilot students. They pay a massive amount of money to do their training and they're out of work now. Many trainee, trainee pilots have 70,000 loans. Medical students will have no problem getting work going forward. Will pilots... Good point. And just one final one. My son returned to college last week as a second year medical student. He paid 15 grand uh, the previous week. Now he's been told all of his coursework will be online. My other son will go back to college on the 28th and he also has paid full fees. He will have two hours in college a week and the rest of his classes will be online. Um, I mean, that's just a selection of how upset and annoyed people are with full fees and online tutoring only. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up with calls after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. One zero four to one zero six Red FM. Well said, Rose. She says, "Hi, Neil. Teddy Mac made history in nineteen ninety when he played the double." Our claim to fame here in Riverstown, and you are spot on, and he is one of your claims to fame down there in uh, Riverstown and Glanmire area, Teddy Mac. It was 30 years ago. I remember at the time, 30 years ago, on the air, because Mars Sports made the most beautiful plaque, the most gorgeous thing. Did anybody get their hands on one at the time? I did. It's absolutely beautiful. I think it may well be, it's one of those wall plaques. It may well be pewter. I'm not sure what metal but it was beautifully worked um, with a footballer and a hurler and the Cork Crest and the double and the year and everything on it. It was a beautiful piece. There was huge celebrations. 
Oh my God, 30 years ago. A huge celebrations when Cork won the double. Happy days. Text 0868104106 on that and for anything else that may be on your mind. Okay, I'll stop uh, with the text for a few minutes and get back to phone lines, but um, we'll plough ahead. Uh, lines are open. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are um, you? And you're very proud um, of how, you know, we're talking about mixed messaging and how do you get the message out to young people as to how they should, you know, live their lives and cop on when they don't listen to radio pri- by and large, not talk radio perhaps, they don't read newspapers at all and they don't watch television news. But in spite of that, you're happy with the way things have been going. Well, I think, I mean, I've lived in Ireland for 20 years now. I'm, I'm Irish and I'm an American, but I've lived back here for 20 years. And when I, when the lockdown started here and everything was progressing, I was very happy with the way the government handled things. I don't think they delayed too long in their initial response, as many countries did. I think their immediate response to financially help people was phenomenal. You know, I know as an American, they gave $1,200 to every citizen. That was it. You know, $1,200 doesn't go very far over the span of months and months. Here, the government has continued to support people. And my main concern is there was a woman who, who I can't remember if she rang or wrote in yesterday about an elderly friend of hers, an 80-year-old man who was very active, you know, really on top of things, very great in the community. When locked after lockdown hit, hit he then developed dementia, and he's now being put into a nursing home. Well, dementia, he would have been lonely, he would have been depressed, yeah. he had to be taken out of his own home where he cooked for himself, uh, looked after himself, and actually was helped other people in the community. Now he's in a care home, and he's just had a fall, and he's very ill. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, my deepest sympathies for that man and his family. I have many elderly relatives myself. My mom is 78. She has dementia. She lives with us. You know, I know what it's like. But to me, the woman was saying that she was blaming the government and the lockdown for this man's situation. And I don't think that's a fair reflection of what the case is. If this man's illness is due to the lockdown, it's not because of the government's decision. It's because of the COVID-19. The government made a decision to protect the citizens that it represents. And they felt as elderly people are the most vulnerable, they have to be protected the most. Mm. You know, and there's one general rule they sent out to cover the majority of the population the best they can. They can't make an individual law for each citizen. So, you know, hardly hardly anybody would have died, actually, if, for instance, they had got their act together and many people were screaming and roaring in March and April with regards to nursing homes care settings um, and uh, PPE and hospitals and things. Yeah, yeah. Like very few people, I mean, one is too many, but instead of 1,700, it could have been just hundreds. Yeah, and that's, I mean, everybody, you know, the government make mistakes, but I feel like the Irish government has made a lot less mistakes than many other governments around the world. When you look at percentages and death rates in America, in Italy, in Spain and such that are much, much worse than anything we've experienced here. So I think it's very easy to pick one individual situation, pluck it out of the, the, the thousands of others and say the government caused this. But again, nobody can say how many deaths were prevented by the government's actions. Mm. And, and if somebody genuinely believes that the government had malicious intent towards elderly people when it imposed a lockdown 
I just think they're, they're not seeing the real picture. Okay. If you honestly believe the government had malicious intent, then why aren't you out on the streets protesting or why don't you move to another country where you feel like the government... There have been some protests, as, as you're aware. Not many, but, but there was certainly one the weekend before last in Dublin. You know, the anti-masks, oh, they, yeah. were calling it, yeah. they were calling it a shamdemic. Well, that, that kills me too. Because, I mean, last week I wrote into your program, I was driving through Cloyne, first time in my life I've ever been in Cloyne. It happened to be the morning the kids were going back to school. And as I drove through there, the only mask I saw was on the teacher inside the courtyard. Every parent outside on the street talking to each other, mingling, did not have a single mask on. And, yeah, I just and were the parents up is, too close to each other and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, to me, anybody who walks outside without a mask is just a selfish, lazy person. The masks are there to protect you and protect the people around you. You cannot tell me there is any political issue I know. that entitles you to put the risk of other people at, 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 at the health of but, other uh, But uh, hang on a second. I, I, for one, don't wear a mask outdoors, but I don't stand close to people either. Am I being reckless? Yeah. No, no. I, I, I would prefer there are countries now where if you don't have a mask on, you're literally you know attacked by the other people around you. And I think that's too far. But the problem is the, the, you don't have a mask on and then you bump into somebody and before you realize it, you are too close together, you know, and, and I just. So masks for everybody indoors and out is the way to go. I'd say why not? Because, 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 life. because the medical evidence on masks is still very vague. That's why, you know. Yeah, but what happens in two months time when they prove definitively that masks could have prevented lives. Do we then go back and say, ah, you know, those 2,000 people died because of no masks? Well, it's, that was a learning curve. Okay. What, what is the harm in wearing the mask, whether it's 100% or 50% effective, it still is helping. So unless you have a medical condition, I don't understand how you can justify not wearing a mask as that extra precaution. It's showing respect for your fellow citizens. It's showing respect for the life and the people around you. Do you think, just finally then, because they backtracked on this part of the legislation, do you think that Gardaí should have been given the powers to go into people's homes if they suspected a party? Oh, absolutely. No, they pulled I back on that now, but do you think they should have passed well, that legislation? Well, tell me this, something I don't understand. What's the difference between a law and a regulation? Uh, the difference between, very little actually. Uh, there's a difference between a law and a guideline. I mean, if if... If I'm driving down the road and I go over the speed limit, I know I'm at risk of being pulled over and given a fine because I've broken the law. But if the government says I'm going to, in another issue, issue a guideline, but there's no way to enforce it, then I don't understand. No, what but it they, is. Can, they can go into pubs now and clear pubs and yeah. shut them down and they can find them and everything. But I'm asking the question, should they were contemplating allowing the Gardaí legislation to go into somebody's home. I'm asking you, should they have got that legislation to break up a house party? Well, again, it's like passing a speed limit and then the guards not being able to enforce it. If you can't pull somebody over for speeding, why have a speed limit? So, but is that a yes answer then? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then when all of this is over and those powers remain and the guards for any reason whatsoever can enter your property against your will with no warrant when COVID is gone... And it stays on the statute books. How would you feel about that then? 
Well, obviously, that's something we would want to make sure it doesn't happen, that the, the powers they're giving are specific to this pandemic. OK, OK. All right. So for yeah. a period of time. OK, thanks for your contribution, Brian. Do appreciate it. Thank Text 0868104106. You've no idea how the lockdown, lockdown and COVID has been on young people and the people in their 20s. The virus came and smashed every young person's hopes, dreams and education. The suicides of young people at the moment are higher than COVID deaths. Now, this is a claim by an email now. I can't statistically stand over that claim that suicides of young people at the moment are higher than COVID deaths. That's suggesting that since March, more young people um, have taken their lives, in, as in 1,700 plus of them have taken their lives. Did any listener ever stop to consider that drinking may be a coping mechanism for a lot of the young people who have lost complete control of their lives? People need to stop picking on them so much. I agree that, say, Killarney was crazy, but how can anyone expect young people to stay indoors all of the time, not meet with any friends and behave like perfect angels? I'd like to ask these crass, angry listeners of yours calling into your show and condemning young people and their behavior. When these people were young, were they capable of staying at home all of the time and behaving as good as gold? There is zero compassion or understanding about this. It's not any way easier for young people who did a tremendous job of quarantine back in April It's not anywhere easier now. Also, every young person I always see makes a huge effort to wear a mask when they go out. People need to gain a little bit of understanding for young people's behavior at this difficult time. Please stop picking on them. I'm writing this because I know friends of mine who are in very low places at the moment because of COVID and another friend of mine who took his own life last month. That email from a young person um, by text to neil at redfm.ie. Very sorry to hear about your pal. That is absolutely tragic. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Earlier in the week, we were talking about a parent who would walk out on their husband or wife, but more to the point, walk out on their children. Uh, hi, guys. I just wanted to give my opinion. There are two sides to every story. First of all, my own mother walked out and left her kids aged 13 and 2 for social workers to find. That was 20 years ago. All kinds of excuses were made for her not being able to cope as a parent and so on. I don't want to go into that. My husband's ex has totally destroyed him online, on public forums too. He's paid maintenance since they split, but she has turned the kids completely against him. She shouts in the background when he tries to ring her. Um, or maybe when he tries to ring the kids. She's made numerous attempts to stop his access to his kids, and now it's at a stage where the kids are terrified to go against their mother. She's only delighted telling anyone who will listen to her that he's not in the kids' lives anymore. She is destroying him and destroying his reputation. For his own mental health, he has, health, he has taken a step back and also for the kids' sake, as it was causing them unreal stress. Uh, Tussler was tried. Solicitor's letters were tried. But she's allowed to do and say what she wants. He still pays up, though, for his kids before anyone says anything on air. All I'm saying is men and women both are capable of doing anything. So don't be judging people. I just despair at how some people carry on and don't see how much they hurt their own kids. Thank you. Well, two interesting um, stories there. One is with regards to the ex and the other is regards your mother, who you said walked out and left you and um, uh, your brother or sister. I'm not sure which, the age of 13 and two years old for social workers to find 20 years ago. You would wonder the reasoning behind um, a mother walking out or a father working out on, on their children. M- mind you, you, you don't hear it as often regarding mothers. And then, uh, you know, 
How do you get separated or divorced from somebody who's literally walked out and disappeared? I got an uncontested divorce for 300 euro in 2016. My wife was in England and I was in Cork. I was originally being charged 8,000 euro by a lawyer. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? If that lady says she doesn't know where her estranged husband is now, she can employ the services of the Salvation Army who offer a tracing service so that he can then be served papers, says Don. Thanks for that bit of advice. Appreciate it. Text 0868-104-106. Now, just on a lighter note, because otherwise I will forget. It is now the second day of September, and I meant to do this yesterday as I do every year, and I ran out of time and forgot. Uh, but if it was yesterday, I'd be asking the question. It's the 1st of September. It's the 2nd now. Has anybody got their Christmas tree up yet? Um, because, believe me, people do put up Christmas trees in September. Others never take them down. Word has it that Brown Thomas are supposedly putting up their Christmas tree next week. Yeah? Maybe some people would welcome it, considering what we've been through for the last six months. Tracy, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Well, thank you. What did you see? Um, yesterday, I was yesterday morning. I was going into Marks to collect some school shirts for the children, and um, as I was driving in here in front of me on the first floor, um, do you know as you drive in the first floor of Merchant's Key Car Park, yes. there's like a bay on the left that you can collect the trolley shopping from yes. Marks and stuff. Yeah. And here are Christmas trees in front of me. Now I knew yesterday was <laughs> September first, but I thought it was April's first when I saw the Christmas tree. I was like. Oh my goodness, look at this, because what they're saying is the new Christmas now is January over the COVID and they're being delayed, do you know what I mean? <laughs> the new Christmas so, is what? In January, mid-January, because Santi will be delayed with COVID. Santi always finds a way though, in fairness yeah, to him. I know that. He always so, finds so a way. With that, there was a lady walking towards the Christmas tree taking a photograph of it. I just couldn't believe my eyes. Did you not get a photograph for me, no? No, I couldn't be bothered. Couldn't no, be I couldn't bothered. be bothered. I just went in and got my stuff I needed to collect and just headed home. And no did it have all of the baubles and lights and sparkly stuff in it? Um, not lights, but it was quite sparkly. I thought I was seeing things, you know what I mean? So it wasn't I, I, as if they'd just taken it out of storage. It was on display, dressed. Correct. First of September, Merchants first Key Shopping Centre. Yeah, first of September. Maybe, maybe, maybe everybody should do it. You know, maybe we should just have something to look forward to. The October I Bank know. Holiday Weekend will be nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, Halloween no jazz. comes before Christmas. You know what I mean? Halloween, they won't be out doing anything. Yeah, they were actually saying that yesterday. There'll be no yeah. jazz weekend, so we always would just no. get stuck into Christmas now. Yeah, sure, why not? Isn't it true? Start playing Christmas songs for you and then we'll all join in. <laughs> oh, don't even tempt me because people will be texting now. There'll be those oh, that want murdered. it. And those that don't want it, there'll be blue murder. <laughs> well, sure, you can keep everyone happy, do you know what I mean? Well, I'm glad you called and I'm glad you spotted it, Tracy. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, Bye. so the first Christmas tree that we know of on the 1st of September was the Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. Anybody at home put their Christmas trees up? Get in touch and do let me know. Um, my Mind you, you know, we have things to look forward to and things that we've had to put on hold. And then there are people who, you know, have a job to go to and others who are working from home and others that have no work at all. But what about this interesting one? Um, Looking for advice, guidance and some sort of help. I've been working for a well-known company for five years now. Although I'm grateful to have a job during these tough times, I just feel like I cannot take it anymore. I don't want to walk away because it pays well. And I also have bills and responsibility. But I feel I'm at the point where I'm being forced out the door. It's constant targeting and constant mind games 
in this place. Earlier this month, I reported to my manager as I felt stressed because of the continuous and ongoing issues in the work. I had a meeting with him. He told me he was not happy with my workability and he basically told me I was the worst worker they had. I have no say in any meetings. I'm not allowed to defend myself against these bullies. On many occasions, I have reported health and safety issues about the place and nothing's been fixed. I suffer from stress and anxiety for the last two years because of this work. I'm so tired of the way they're treating us. We're not robots. We have feelings. And I go home every day stressed, anxious and worried. I fear my mental health will take a turn for the worst because of this company. They will never admit what they are doing. It's like water off a duck's back. Nothing is ever done about anything. I can't take any more of this company. The lies, the harassment and the horrible words, the bullying, the sneaky mind games and also the sexual comments made towards the female staff in my department. Please help me before I lose myself to misery. Now, that's an extraordinary email on so many different levels. Firstly, I would love to know the company, not for broadcast, but I'd love to know the type of work that you're in. It seems to be departmentalized. So I'd love to know what do you do? Now, I know that you say that you went to your manager, but uh, it does that company have a HR department, somebody who's designated to deal with people who have issues in the workplace? You know, you talk about targeting, mind games, bullying, um, sneaky mind games, sexual lewd comments being made towards females. Um, the HR department really should be made aware of that, whomever deals with it. But also, um, it would be a very good idea if you were to go and see a doctor, go and see your doctor so that you can get um, some sort of medical paperwork to back up your claim, your legitimate claim that you are suffering from stress and anxiety in the workplace. Um, because companies panic when they hear those words. They really do. Um, and they tend to sit up and take notice if you say, I have been to my doctor and I have been diagnosed with stress and, and anxiety and health issues because that usually makes them sit up and say, oh my God, this could go legal and we're in big, big trouble. Um, there, that's a couple of the bis- bits of advice. But of course, the underlying thing here is you probably at the end of the day don't want to be working with that company. And I think even though you're going to stay for the short term, because you say the pay is good and everything. Sounds to me, if the pay is good, you do good work and you are qualified, I'd start looking for another happier place because regardless of how this one unfolds, and I'm open now to correction on this from, from you guys out there, I'm, I'm thinking that no matter how this unfolds um, with regards to your job and you know getting redress or getting some balance, I don't think you'll ever be happy in that place. It sounds like an awful place to work. There are better places to work. Um, you could always uh, get a doctor's cert, for instance, for stress, stress and anxiety and take sick leave. Yeah. So there's a couple of options there, but I'm quite sure if people have been through this scenario, they might get on board here and text some advice. Text 0868 104 106. How are we doing? Let's get back to the phone lines for now and we'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning if anybody can help. Finbar, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, listen, thanks for, your, thanks for your letter. I do appreciate an old-fashioned letter from time to time, uh, but it's always better to talk on air. You wanted to pick up on pubs, right? I did, Neil, and I, I, I would come out strongly in favour as to why they should be open. You okay. know? Now, can and I just ask you first off, do you have a local pub that you would normally go to that's now closed? Oh, yes. And would you go in every day for a couple of pints? Neil, I was like clockwork. I'd go up at half past four and I'd be back at six o'clock. Amazing, I'd isn't it? Every day. Pints. And 
I enjoy that and I miss it so much now. And, and would I, there I, be I other lads so of your age that had the same routine, half four to six? Neil, I'm only 21. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I just said lads your age <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke no, no, but no, no, was there, had you a bunch of cronies like oh, there, I tell you Neil I've often gone up myself right and I'd be the only one in the pub for maybe half hour 20 minutes but the most I've ever seen in the pub that I got into is a brilliant pub it's a club actually and uh, they're so respectful and they're so, you know, every, like, they would do nothing wrong. And I know if those pubs were given a chance to reopen all the elder, the elder lemons like myself could teach the younger ones a lesson on how to behave themselves and obey the rules. Well said. And I, I feel very sorry also, Neil, for the publicans, God love them, who have, who have severe who have severe physical, mental and financial problems over all this. And it's only making matters worse because I heard yesterday somewhere that some of our, our, our three wise men are suggesting that it could be Christmas before they would open. Oh, hopefully that is not going to happen. Because at the minute, Neil, we're the only, as, as, I, as I see it, we're the only pub in Europe, or the only country does rather have our pubs closed. Right. All the rest are open. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I would also say, right, for the last six months, when the pubs are closed, the publicans have big liabilities to pay, like public liability insurance, and they think as a matter of urgency, they should be refunded either by the government or the insurance company the six months that they have paid for and lost. But if you, you open that? I know, but it's a good point. But if you open the pubs, you open the super pubs, you open the drinking pubs where people hoover up the booze and they're going on the lash. Not necessarily because I don't believe that the one shoe fits all is working. I mean, if you have a pub that's going to conduct themselves, apply all the safety rules and everything else, and if you compare that with the scenes that we saw there in Kelly and in Dublin with fellas jumping up in telephone boxes and dancing and fellas, you know, you wouldn't see that kind of conduct. Well, you all. did see a bar, you did see a bar staff member stand up on the counter in a Dublin pub with a, it was a kind of one of these um, bottomless brunch lunches that young people go to. And he was pouring vodka down their throat from the bar I counter. You see, you'd have more of that, they're saying. That's the risk, you see. No, Neil, sorry, no, I, I have to disagree with you. The publicans have not been given a chance here. No, I can't understand. Maybe you could explain it to me. Or your pub that sells food, all a load open and people can drink in there. And a pub that does not sell food can't open. Could you explain that Listen, to me? Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to give the government's mantra on anything. I'll leave that up to RTE. But I do know that when this legislation or this, yeah, this was, this was allowed, it was so that people could, could have a meal and a drink with their meal, not a meal with their drink. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't. It doesn't. No, no. Because one rule, the one shoe, the one shoe should fill all hair, no. I mean, like, if Netflix, and I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong in assuming that publicans would not, it would not be a, a correct place to call. Like, he's saying there'd be crowds of people there. They wouldn't. And I just have one example. No, 
uh, Neil, about social distancing. They're not allowing people in the pub because they might become too close to one another. But they're allowing rugby to take place. And you have eight players on each side in the scrum, and the scrum collapses, and there's 16 or 18 bodies all on top of one another. How is that allowed? I know. And you can't allow people to go and watch them in a scrum then on top of it. Exactly. And that's another thing, Neil. There's a lot of old-timers now, like myself, you know, the old GA matches. No, I would watch a soccer match, but I'm not a soccer fan. But, I mean, it's taken away that, like, from a lot of people as well. Can you imagine a stadium of 50,000 and they might allow 200 into it? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, I'm watching it at the moment because I'm watching the tennis out of Flushing Meadows in New York and... uh, Massive stadiums like Arthur Ashe with no fans in there. It's spooky. It's really oh, spooky. But but what, just before you, I know your personal find out, all I would say is I'd like never to give an explanation as to why they won't allow pubs to reopen and leave the pubs and make a response to that. And I'm sure they could get some, uh, they could get some epidemiologist that might start to disagree with the other guys. And can I, 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 okay, know. and can I just ask you on a, on a personal level, how, you know, how has it affected your mood and you, you, you personally not having, totally, having that routine totally, changed? Totally, totally upset me. Mm. Life doesn't seem to be, the, I know it's only a small thing, but life does not seem to be the same anymore as I know it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you try and... What about your buddies that you would meet on a daily basis? How are they all coping? Well, you see, I'm kind of a loner that way, Neil. Like, I mean, uh, I go up to the rugby club. I, I, I talk when I, you know, when I I'm know. talking to and this yeah. and that. But, like, I wouldn't have... I, I mean, I'm a very social drinker, like, and I was up there all my life. Yeah. And I would still continue that way, like. But to deny me that no, Neil, is... Is, is, is it means uh, it devastates me oh, and yeah. as I said I feel so sorry for the politicians who have big mortgage overhead which I believe no they could be in the well it's, I think you mean the publicans you feel sorry for it's, it's, it's funny actually that there wasn't I suppose we, we expected more, pub, more po- politicians to fight against this proposal but they didn't they didn't and listen that's a very good point and I can tell you I can tell you like that the the, the, the Nefes only advises the government. They don't compel the government to do anything because the government makes the decision. And I don't know why these three wise men in government, no, the three, the three ministers, take a look at what damage the pubs would do if they were open. I don't think they'd do any damage whatsoever. All right. And give them, give them the opportunity to, to prove the other crow uh, incorrect. Okay, right, thank Neil. you, thank you so much. Appreciate right. the call. Thank you, Fimber. Fimber wrote to me actually a beautiful letter, and uh, we just invited him on air. I don't get many letters. Always love it when I do, though. Oh, just very quickly, Joshua and Libby Collins have sent me a photograph of themselves in Maham Point on the twenty second of August in their summer clothing in front of a Christmas tree. <laughs> Thank you for the photograph, Gemma. They look fantastic in their new clobber. They really do. They look really smart and funky. But the Christmas tree behind them on the 22nd of August, that's got to be a record. And somebody else did send me another photograph of Deals in Dawn Square this morning who are selling Christmas decorations and Christmas chocolates. 
and ho 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 Santa Clauses and red reindeers and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's here, lads. Uh, it's here. The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Our lines are open. Um, we will come back to a lot of the different calls uh, we've had lined up. Uh, but there was one there I was talking about with a woman who's getting an awful lot of pressure at work and uh, you know anxious, stressed, and worried, fearing for her mental health because of the people she works with and I'm seeing texts on that some of the texts actually for people uh, who've gone through it themselves so I will come back to that uh, Anil would you ever cop on with the C word the C word being COVID is bad enough without you talking about the other C word Christmas I'm allergic to both says Mags and Balafihan well I always ask that question on the 1st of September um Anyone got a Christmas tree up yet? Apparently the range in Little Island on Monday were stocking the shelves full of Christmas gear. If you want to be really smart and well organised, I know people that are tipping away and they have been for a few weeks now getting the Christmas stuff in early. Just doing a bit here, doing a bit there, just in case things get a bit crazy in the months to come, you know, then just in case there's some issues with, you know, shopping restrictions and times you can go. So some people are getting in early and maybe shops are anticipating that as well. Actually, Des is just back from the north. Good morning, Des. How are you doing? How are you Good doing? man yourself, fair play. So you were up in County Tyrone. You wanted to compare and contrast. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was up the north there Friday and I came back down Saturday. But the bars are open in the north in Cookstown Friday to Saturday only right you can go in and drink as much as you want but there's hardly nobody in there that's, that's a surprising thing okay so you say that they're open Friday and Saturday, and Saturday yeah and close for the rest of the week and, and they close in the rest of the week but the the bars that has food they're open so the wet pubs if you like have two days a week Two days a week only. Okay, okay. I was up there Friday. I was up there Friday, and I was talking to the girl behind the counter, and I asked her, and so what's the story? She said, "No, I can't believe you're open." And she said, "Yes, we're open only Friday and Saturday, and then we're closed down for the rest of the week to see how things go." Because when I was up, and it was only a few weeks back, the pubs that were open had to serve food. I wasn't well, in Tyrone now. Yeah, well, I was in Tyrone because of, I had to go up there on business, and so it's not as if open. it's not. And you were in there on a Friday or a Saturday, you were. Uh, well, I was there on Friday, yeah. And they weren't kind of clamouring over each other to get at the bar. No, I mean, I was there. I got Cookstown about ten o'clock in the morning, but whatever time the bar was, I think we went to the bar about one o'clock. And there was only about four people there. Amazing, isn't yeah. it? We seem to harbour under the misconception that if the pub was open, it would be black with people. Yeah, but there was there was nobody in there. You know? And are there limited opening and closing times on those days? Like, are they late? No, they wouldn't be late. To be, I, I reckon they'd be kind of standard hours. I'm not quite sure, you know. Neil, but say sure. eleven o'clock, they don't open at probably. They don't open yeah. at four and close at eight or anything like that. No, I reckon just standard time, you know. Well, I have to say that is news to me. I hadn't heard of that before. Well, the the bar I was in now is called the Old Town Inn. You can look it up on the internet. Might right? be worth might be worth giving the Old Town Inn 
uh, in Tyrone a call, see how things are going for them. And do you think that we should have that 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 model here? I reckon so. Yeah, I mean, like it's only two days, you know. Yeah, and see how things go. I mean, even the the country bars. I'm down here in McCroom, you know. Even the country bars could do that easy. The smaller know? pubs, the rural pubs that aren't busy anyway. I mean, yeah, just go in and have like the old folks. You know, they like to have their points. You know, of Guinness or and it's, it's know, as much for the company and meeting their cronies as anything else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? Okay, appreciate it. Thank you for coming back after your trip to Tyrone, reporting that interesting news. We'll give that pub a call and see what they have to say as to how things are going for them. Thanks, Des. All right, not about anything. Appreciate it. Fair play to you. Text 086 Dan, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Okay, so pick up on, picking up on Dan before 10 there, where he would yeah, go every yeah. day to the pub. He goes to the rugby yeah, club. Yeah. Uh, I think he goes in there at half four and he's always home by six. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I go to, I, I, used, I used to go the local pubs around in the Shannon and get it and they're, they're well there's one of them closed and there's the other one doing food and there's another pub a couple of miles away and they're all doing food Need if I want a bit of food right I go to, uh, I live in Banhassic I go to Calbury's down in Banhassic and I'm right of a pint I was there once or twice having a bit of food now I usually go for a pint in the evenings and and they've stopped they have destroyed road they've destroyed they're, they're causing nothing but damage to people that go for a pint in the evening, have and all people do is have a chat and have a laugh and 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 uh, we all I suppose we, and we, we hear a couple of lies and tall stories and everything and that's all that's all because a lot do. of a lot of elderly people or say pensioners or people retired would say yeah. I'm having my dinner at home yeah that's what I was going to say that too if I want if I want uh, if I want a bit of food in a pub I go to as I say Calbury's or I go to some other place right and. Look, look, I don't want to go to a local pub and have and have have, have a food or go to a chip or something. I'll go to a local pub for a for a pint in a chat. Yeah, yeah. But how would but you have, have one rule for some pubs then and would and what the rules I for the city? I yeah, I don't know why they can't leave the rural pubs open with between six and ten or five and ten or I don't know. And more listen to me and another thing. Most of the rural pubs But then you might have coaches and buses travelling to them full of people, you know. And are, but but most of the rural pubs don't open at five or six o'clock. Anyway. Yeah. So what happens then if you what, what what happens then if yeah, would you have to you'd have to book in advance to go in for the pint or is it just come in I suppose you know something? It's very easy for the public and only only to serve the local people. In 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 all those local locals are. Very easy thing to do. Yeah, you Sorry. see, you see, mental health issues and depression and loneliness for people who are alone yeah. or people who are elderly. That's going to kill more people than having the, the like COVID nineteen. In, in the last six months, I, I had six points. That's a point a month. I, I, I can, I can do all things crazy. No, I can already believe so, Neil. The people that make those rules and regulations, they have the clue about the rural people, the way people live, and. People get around in rural Ireland. They haven't a clue. And it's the same, it is this, look, the two points and all that kind of stuff. They haven't a clue. People that make these rules. Yeah, but the local, but the politicians in the Dáil come from areas of rural Ireland. You know, why aren't they they representing those that they, that elected them? Neil, I don't know. But listen, all I know is that they're actually just trying. Listen to me, and what'll happen now, there'll be a lot of people when this, if when this is all over, people won't even go to pubs anymore. 
Yeah, there'll be a new routine. Okay, thanks for that. Appreciate it, Dan. Uh, I'm just wondering if I could highlight the ineptitude and deluded, clueless input the new health minister has in this shambles of a government. He was looking to empower the Gardaí with new powers to invade people's homes, just like the Black and Tans did. Is nobody out there disturbed by this prospect? It is literally like North Korea or Russia with the ways of what's all going here. It's all orders without question. All these restrictions and implementations are coming from the very ones that break their own rules. Stephen Donnelly sounds like a tech head uh, online trying to convince you that if you press control, alt and delete on your keyboard computer, it will turn off your computer when it certainly doesn't. (laughs) The plug switch, the plug switch will. (laughs) That comparison is lost on me, but I'm sure it's not on everybody. He must be getting coaching lessons in PR from Leo Varadkar's team. <laughs> when we have become, a, Neil, we've become a country of avoidance where no one wants to take responsibility personally and they just want to pass the responsibility onto someone else. I was dealing with illegal drug taking for over 20 years and basically it's down to a person's personal choice to take illegal drugs or not and it's about making people accountable when they do as the consequences to the person, others and their families because those consequences are life-altering. That's on the point as to, you know, should we blame addicts? And one then uh, on, you know, drink driving and issues like that, others can drink more and still be safe drivers, but a government can rule on a person-by-person, can't rule on a person-by-person basis. They pass laws and regulations to best protect the most people with the best intentions. Uh, I'm extremely proud of the actions taken by the Irish government Compared to other countries, we put the health of our population, especially the elderly, at the highest priority, not the money into the pockets of the wealthy. So there's some people pushing back quite happy with the way things have gone. Text 0868104106. We did call the Old Town Inn in Tyrone. They're closed till two o'clock. They probably won't even have anybody in the building today anyway, if they're only opening on Friday and Saturday. But if we get an opportunity to talk to them, we will. Gillian, good morning. Hi, how are you? Now, earlier this morning we were talking about international language students coming into Cork. Your thoughts on that? That's right. Um, well, to be honest, my son came home yesterday yesterday from school and he said, Mom, there's a new boy coming to the class. And I said, oh, that's great. And he said, oh, he's a student. And I said, all right. So he's coming from the Czech Republic. I think he's actually even here already. And he's in quarantine, apparently in a teacher's house for two weeks. <laughs> so I was a bit shocked at that now, to be honest. In a teacher's so, house in quarantine. That's what I was told. I don't know 100%, Neil. That's what my son came home and said to me. And that's what he had said. He said, he's staying with one of the teachers and when the two weeks are up, he'll be coming into school. Yeah, and that's into a primary class. It's a primary sixth class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you've no idea wh- where the child came from? Did he come with his family? He's or coming from the Czech Republic. His family probably relocated here just very recently then. I don't, as far as I know, there were students being brought into different schools around Cork. That's what we were told. Like he came home and told me yesterday now. Like they're foster so, children or something like that? I don't know. I presume don't it's from student exchange. Why would you be student exchanging a sixth class child? Well, I know some schools do do, you know, like their school does do something during the year when they bring students to uh, over to Leeds and different places. In, so in primary school? The, and they go into yeah. schools in, in other countries? Yeah, yeah. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I would have thought that it was much yeah. older before they do things like that. But if yeah. if the if the child is is quarantining for for a fortnight, all will be well. Oh, to be honest, like I don't mind. Like obviously, initially it was a bit of shock, but you know what? I said, look, 
I think it's great that there's other kids coming over from different countries and the other side, like obviously at the moment it's not the right time of course, it's not the right time. It's the international you know, students who are older that I'm interested in who are staying in host families. I'm trying to work out what the protocol is. I don't know, is. you see what age, you see, I'm not, I don't know exactly what age the child is, you know. I have texts on it here, yeah. but thanks for that Gillian, appreciate yeah. it. Some no text on this one, text 0868104106. I'm supposed to be getting a student aged 25 from India. Uh, supposedly attending UCC. As of now, he does not know where he can isolate. As I told him, he can't isolate in my house for the two weeks. I now have doubts if I should take him, as I think it's just too risky. The host organization rang me two months ago asking me to take him. Uh, Morning, I've taken foreign students from China, Belgium and France over the last two years. I was approached a month ago by the company to take a Chinese student for this year, roughly from September and October. I told the company that due to COVID, I would not be taking any students this year. But if things were sorted with COVID, I may put myself back on their books next year. Morning, we are currently hosting a Spanish student that arrived last week. They have to undergo a COVID test shortly before arriving and have to limit social interaction for 14 days. They have not used public transport and they are not attending schools until after the 14-day period. They are not allowed to use public transport either for 14 days. Well, I would have thought they wouldn't even be let out for 14 days, wouldn't you think? There are students coming next Saturday into Cork from Italy, France, Germany and Spain. The host families are under the impression the kids don't have to isolate. Uh, they were told, throw on their gloves and masks and they'll be fine. Um, any more, particularly to that last texter, any more information than that as to where you got that kind of info? I'd love to know. Back in a minute. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Text 2020 has been chronic enough crack already, says Vicky in Middleton. I'd say we put up the Christmas trees and call it a year. <laughs> Thank you for that. Christmas trees, we want them all up in September. Why not? Something to look forward to. Bring it on, you know. Temptation of it is too far away. We want it now. Shelley, good morning. Thanks for holding. Uh, we're talking about international students. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Okay. What, what have you got for me? Well, I'm at a loss. These companies bringing the children, they're bound by our country's restrictions. So when they come to us, they have to, they have a negative test. So that means they've already been tested. They are negative. They come and they quarantine in our homes. Um, they are then bound by both the school and the country's restrictions for the whole time they're here. To be very fair, there's so many teenagers in my town at the moment that have never had a negative test. And my no children are around all, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why having somebody with a negative test in my home is a bad thing, I have no understanding over. Then you have the likes of Brendan on your Facebook page and he said, you know, that it shouldn't be allowed. So if my niece came home from Australia and has to quarantine at home. What is the difference between a family member coming home from a non-green country and and quarantining in my home and a student? I, I'm, I'm at a loss as to why they're singling out children. No, no, no difference whatsoever. As and, and I made that point earlier on. What's the problem with this if they are quarantining for a fortnight? Um, but how do you, we know that that would out. be... Well, they have to, as we all, the whole country, have an obligation to follow restrictions. So if a family don't, and the problem is not on the student, it's on the family that's not abiding so by So w- why should we take that risk then? 
But we're not because 90% of the country, if not more, are actually abiding by restrictions. We're following all quarantine and lockdown rules. But if you have an international student that comes in with a with a negative test, but they then yeah. then test would have tested positive two or three days afterwards because you cannot then be sure. Be in my home, no more than my child who'll be downtown around people that have never had a test and he also could pick it up. And we're hearing that too, community transmission. So this student will be picked up, will be brought straight to my home and will quarantine for two weeks no problem at all. Will quarantine, but that's but we don't know that. You see, that's what people are concerned about. Well, no more than we know that everybody that comes from Australia comes on holidays. Now we have families that are coming home from Italy, which is now a green country, and they can go straight into school. Students will not be doing that. So there's risk, and it's not just foreign exchange; it's countrywide. Irish people. Absolutely. No, I, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. So to single these out, w- it actually just it boils me. Would it even be worth your while as a host family to be catering to oh. a child in a room for two weeks, providing their meals? Yeah, absolutely. And, would it still absolutely. be profitable? It's not even about the profit. It's a wonderful experience for the students, hands down. Um, Absolutely, our feedback has been amazing. It's wonderful for your economy, for your local. Have family, you done it then? There. Are you involved in yeah, it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, for about ten years. And are you doing it this year? Yes. Okay. Where are the students coming from? Um, well, the company that's bringing them in—they're they're coming from Italy, Spain, um, Germany, where, where, wherever they've applied in their own home countries to come in. The the person that's coming to me um, has had the negative test will be brought home will be now also you're allowed exercise the HSE have made it crystal clear that anybody that comes into this country and is restrictive or quarantined you are allowed out you don't go out to built areas you don't go out to shops you don't go to these places but there's nothing stopping you going for a walk where you're not surrounded by anybody and that goes for any Irish person no but the student that could come to you is coming from what country Germany. Okay, and he or she then will quarantine in your home. Absolutely. Uh, what, what will that mean? Is that in a bedroom, or will they? Will he no, or she? No, they'll have free run of our home, just like a family member who actually is, uh, came home from Australia. Um, you, you are allowed free movement. The family ourselves, we will be very conscious of the fact that we have somebody quarantining in our home. So, as per HSE rules and the country guidelines, we are allowed to go to work. But if anybody like all develops the temperature, whatever not, then you follow the HSE. So actually, the excellent point that you make in all of this is that the international student is probably the safest person in the home because they're the one walking around with the positive test, with the negative test. I've got children downtown, I've got children in school, they're around people that I have absolutely no idea what way they're running, what way they are. This child coming to me has a negative test, is crystal clear, is going to go back in the Irish economy, is going to... enrich our family yes, home. Yeah, okay. um, it's yeah. a bonus. Okay. May, let, let's, yeah, and are you saying there's an awful lot of negativity that you've been seeing against international Well, students? I saw it online and I was absolutely horrified. These are children. They're more entitled to an education. And if, if it's all done properly, there are absolutely no more of a risk than the child who your own child is the next to in school. What if, they, what if they tested negative before they got on the plane, but got it on the plane? No, they'll do another test when they come here. It'll be fine. Who'll do, and you're and sure of that? There will be another test yes, upon them. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're actually safer than an Irish person. Hands down <laughs> safer. I know what you mean.
But people have not put the homework in. They've not put the, you know, find these things out. Don't just assume. No, but that's why calls like yours are important. And I appreciate your call. Thanks, Shelley. No problem. Cheers. Uh, is it Inma? Inma? That's, yeah, that's right, Inma. Oh, okay, go ahead. No, it's just making more or less the same point. Just there. You have Spanish yeah. students, have you? I have students. I have Spanish students here, and I knew it was going to happen. You know, um, when they come over, Spain has a very bad reputation with cases with COVID. So, our students quarantine. I told the families in Spain they had to quarantine before coming over because it wasn't fair that they brought the virus here. They were tested uh, forty-eight hours before flying. They came to Ireland two weeks ago. They quarantined with their family. They were tested against yesterday. They tested again yesterday. Uh, we should have the results in a couple of days and they will have their test, their second test, hopefully showing negative and they will be bringing that to school. Okay, and that student or students are staying with you? No, they're staying with uh, host families and they're in quarantine with those families. Okay, do you work for the company? Do you work for the company that brings the kids in? I am the company that brings them in. Okay, where, sorry, I didn't know that, forgive me. Where are you based? We're based in Cork. Okay. And you've been, and are you the company then that I saw advertising recently looking for host families? No, no, I didn't advertise okay. so for So there's, there's more than one doing it then, is that oh, right? Oh, there's loads, there's loads, loads of families. Okay. Yeah. And how, how can people be sure then that the, the okay, they come in with um, a negative test. Uh-huh. But how, what's the protocol with regards to quarantining for the fortnight? How would that, how does that work? Okay. Our students, I collected them. At the airport, I had one at a time with masks in the car. They went um, to the house. They go into the room. They put all the clothes in a plastic bag. The families wash the the clothes. They have a shower and they stay in the room. They have their meals on their own. Uh, at the weekend, if the weather is good, they eat in the garden with the family, keeping distance. If they go out for a walk, they go with a mask. They're not allowed to go into any shops or any other place. They just go for a walk. They don't go shopping or hanging out with buddies. No. Well, they're not allowed anyway. I, I cannot watch them 24 hours, but they're not allowed going to shop. But they have a negative test anyway. They have a negative test. They've been in quarantine. The families where they're staying have children. I don't think they would put their own children at risk if they thought this should. Well, you see what the issue. criticism of it is, is putting is, is, oh, they're putting money before people's health and it's reckless that's and it shouldn't be happening this year. Well, that's... Uh, as it's been said before, there are a lot of people who are going on holidays to Spain. They come back and they don't quarantine. And I know plenty of them. And they have children and they'll be going to school. But I insisted on having a second test going to school because I said, if there is a case in school, everybody's going to be blaming the students. And um, the parents said, no, go ahead and give them the second test. We don't want anybody pointing fingers. Okay, so you're not putting profit before people then. That's the accusation. Oh, no, it's not. It's a business. Like we all have, like this year, I, uh, we only have thirty percent of the students we could have had. Yes, but uh, uh, yeah, because many families are unhappy with their children traveling to other countries. I suppose but m- many families are unhappy with the children traveling, and also if, um, like, they know that they they mightn't be able to go home for Christmas, they mightn't be able to go home for Easter. They're aware of the situation, but some families in Spain. Uh, other people think, how can they get rid of their children like that? That's not the case. Some parents in Spain are working. Um, the situation in Spain was worse. If there's a lockdown, the child is locked in an apartment. And some parents say, look, I prefer to spend the money, send them to Ireland, not putting anybody in danger. They have two tests.
test they're negative they go there they could catch no they have the test and that's important to make that point over and over again but some of the people who've been in contact I am at risk I'm at high risk myself I've been cocooning since March I wouldn't have gone to the airport to collect the children if I didn't know they were you know it was safe because they were tested 48 hours before I know the families personally in Spain and I know that those children. I know, but are any of the families are any of the families afraid that their child will get sick in Ireland? Though, uh, well, know. if they are sick in Ireland, they know me. I'll mind them. I know, and but like I told the, them. The, I mean, yeah, and, and, and the host families know they treat them. They're fantastic. I can't praise their families. No, but it's like they're t- they are sending their children overseas to another country oh, whose numbers were high I yesterday. Okay, maybe during I wouldn't. I wouldn't a do pandemic. It myself, you know, I know. I, I, I maybe I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do it myself. I wouldn't want to be. A, away from my child if he got sick but I don't know what circumstances you know they say the circumstances is that they couldn't get their money back oh no no that's not the case I refunded we had uh, as I said we only have 30% of the students who had booked in February and we refunded every single cent we didn't even charge for administration charges we understand the situation and we told the families we understand you don't feel safe sending the child if that's the case we give a full refund. And all the work I put into it, organising it, I wasn't paid. I don't care because I'll get those students again next okay, year. Okay, all right. And then, then, of course, we... So, we... But it's the same as everybody else. Like, there are companies that uh, have, you know, no ethics and um, they put profit before children and then we all get a bad name. So there are companies doing this now yeah. that are putting profit before people, but you're not oh, one of them. I, well, I don't know if they're doing it or not. What I, can, what, what I know is what we've done. What you do. Yeah. No, my worry is you're saying that there, are others, that, that there are others that others may be reckless about it. But anyway, that's, that's, that's not an issue for you because you say you do everything right. Um, also, of course, there, many people are, 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 are obeying the different protocols and guidelines, and that includes mm-hmm. no over... They don't go on overseas holidays. They lost money mm-hmm. on sun holidays. They lost flights and everything. And they're, they're probably sitting there saying, what in the name of God is going on? All of these students coming into Ireland to stay with families... And we didn't go overseas on a sun holiday. Mm-hmm. We lost mm-hmm. our I money. Yeah, you know, it, it. I was one of the ones who lost lots of money. Holidays cancelled, but um, you know. Yeah, but uh, how, how do you think they would feel listening to international students flying into Ireland? And well, it's, and, as I said, I don't think anybody would have any issue if there was government guidelines saying, okay, if you want international students, this I think that's the way. You know, tested before coming over, they're negative. Quarantine in Ireland and be tested again. Once they're a double negative within two weeks, it's clear that they don't have it. Then it's the same as any other child. Okay, okay. It doesn't matter where they're from. Okay. There's no guidance from the government. So how many how many of the international students at any one time could be in Cork? Do you have that figure? No idea. Are we talking no hundreds idea. or thousands or what? No, no, no. Not in the winter. There wouldn't be thousands. But I have no idea. We are only a small family company, and um, I, I would have no idea. And was there many. any special insurance? But, but I say hundreds, yes. Hundreds. And was there any special insurance that to be taken out for the year that was in it? No. Yeah, we took we took special insurance, and there's uh, guidelines. But um, I don't know how everybody. This, I suppose it depends on what you want to do yourself because there aren't any clear guidelines. Nobody's asking me to take insurance. Okay, Nobody's all right. asking me to test the students. I'm doing it, but I didn't get any, you know, any guidelines from the government saying... You what didn't have, have to get to pandemic insurance or COVID insurance or anything, nothing like that, no. You do, you, you, you get that when the students are here, but um, I don't know if, if that's any good. Like, if they get it, they get it. 
Okay, thanks for covering it. Much obliged to you, Inma. Have a good day. She is uh, part of a company that brings students into the country. It's kind of interesting um, in many different ways, really, because you could actually say at this point in time that the students coming into Cork are probably safer than the rest of us when you think of it. Uh, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868. Uh, 104, 106. Um, Stephen has an issue with something that I said on the program, I think on Monday. He says, Neil, you say that you don't have a problem with wearing a mask walking to the table of a restaurant. But can I tell you that this is only the start? Right now, mask wearing is for buses, shopping areas, and when you walk to a table when out. Uh, soon it will be the minute you walk outside your door in the open fresh air that you must wear a mask. Just look at France, Australia and other countries. I suppose when they tell you to wear a mask outdoors, you won't have a problem with that either. Will you endorse that mandate as well on your radio show, says Stephen. You're referring to um, a story that I told you on Monday of a couple that were going into Dooley's Seafood and Steakhouse restaurant in Waterville. And they rang ahead just to check on their booking and they asked, what's the story with uh, uh, coronavirus protocol in your restaurant? And the staff said, you must wear a mask coming in the front door. You must wear a mask uh, walking across the floor of the restaurant and you can take the mask off when you sit at the table. And the punters on the phone said, no, thank you. We will now cancel our booking. We're not going to go to your restaurant. We don't believe in face masks. Um, and I, I made the point that I was in a restaurant myself. that was an O'Neill's in Reynard, just off the point in Carcevine by the water. And there's a policy there. You wear your mask on entry. Uh, you wear your mask until you sit at your table and you can then take it off. Um, and I really wanted to go there because I love the seafood there. It's fantastic. Uh, and if they'd asked me to walk on my hands and knees, probably not across coal, but if they said, you must come into the restaurant, walk on your hands and knees to the table, you can get up and sit at the chair then, I'd have done that too, just to get in there to eat. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Okay, we were talking about uh, the tennis and the news there from Flushing Meadow. I don't know whether you watched uh, Murray's match uh, last night against uh, Nishioka, the Japanese player. Uh, it was an incredible match. Murray was two sets down. I think he was well down in the third. And we were all thinking, ah, this is going to be a story because this is the last time I figure I'm going to see uh, Andy Murray play at an international Grand Slam level. And then, of course, he turned it around in four and a half hours and he beat Nishioki in five sets. It was absolutely incredible tennis. I don't know why he makes his uh, tennis matches so long. It's as if he just waits until he's almost about to be beaten and he wakes up and kicks into another gear. But it was fabulous tennis to watch because it is tennis season in one shape or another. And yesterday, a company called PC Systems in Cork, they're online, pcsystems.ie, they're listening right now because they listen every day. <laughs> They're at the Duke Klein Court Industrial Estate in Sarsfield Road. And they sent me a letter with a gift with it. It says, we listen to your show here every morning. And we know that you're an avid Wimbledon fan. So we thought you might be missing it this year. So we thought we'd send you uh, this gift just to give you an idea of how the final could have looked had Wimbledon gone ahead this year. Great show. All the best from all the gang here at PC Systems Limited. And they sent with it a ginormous um, photo on hardboard, you know, a, a giant photograph in colour of Roger Federer um, hitting a backhand. And behind him at Wimbledon is the scoreboard. And Federer's name is up in it. <laughs> and my name is up in it. And I'm a game up and 40 love up in some particular set in it. And it's just superb. Yeah, I posted the photograph on my Instagram page. I don't know if you guys at PC Systems do this as a business um, it's maybe it's part of it, but it's a fabulous idea. 
as a gift for somebody because it absolutely made my year. You know, it was just such a wonderful gift and gesture. You can have a look at the photograph, lads, on my Instagram page. I put it up there yesterday. Everybody's getting a giggle out of it. Me um, playing uh, Federer at Wimbledon. But it's a great opportunity for a gift for somebody who has a love or a passion for anything. Maybe other people are doing it. But PC System sent me that yesterday and I absolutely love it. People were suggesting you won't be allowed to put that up anywhere. <laughs> Already there's a row at home as to what wall I can put it on. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But thank you to everybody at PC Systems for it. It was a lovely thing to do. Um, okay, listen, I will come back to issues involving uh, some of the conversations this morning. But it's always good to, to look back, right, at different stories that we've been dealing with over the coming weeks and months. And I spoke to Marco Sullivan, who sadly lost his beautiful wife at a very young age in November of last year at the age of 50. Do you recall the story? She'd been complaining of pins and needles in her leg, went to the doctor. Eight o'clock that night, she passed away from a blood clot in her leg that travelled to her heart. Now, Mark was telling us the story at the time that he wasn't there when his wife passed away. He was in in Shannon at the time. And in the space of an hour and a half, he'd got 28 missed calls on his phone. Uh, So it was a tragic set of circumstances. Uh, And of course, his beautiful wife passed away. But the issue for him was uh, the grief he was getting over the life insurance policy for both himself and his late wife, um, and he was getting no resolution on it. He'd given in all the medical reports. He can, he was conti- the problem was he was continuing to pay life assurance policy on both of them. And he got in touch with us and we got in touch with uh, Irish Life. And then Irish Life decided they'd take maybe another look uh, at his case. We got other calls from other people who went through uh, similar circumstances in many different ways. People who lost loved ones and partners at a young age from a clot with no pre-existing conditions and no warnings. But anyway, that's just the backstory to it. It's important to remind you of that because Mark has an update and he joins me by phone. Mark, good morning. Good morning, yes. Sorry, I don't mean to upset you by bringing that up. I just needed to put, it, in, just needed to put it into context. But yeah. um, anyway, what's been happening over the past couple of weeks? Uh, well, basically, I've, they've paid in full this morning and they've reimbursed me for what they've took out for mine as well. So basically, I've got the whole lot back. Okay, when you say they paid in full, what, what does that mean? They paid the life insurance policy. They paid the life insurance policy on, yeah. the, on the death of your wife. Yeah. And they've paid the money that they've been taken out for the last 10 months. And they refunded part of the yeah. premium that you were paying for your late wife's insurance. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted that it came to an end then. That's good. So am I, yeah. yeah. Uh, and thanks for help too, by the way. It was think really it, appreciated. Do you think it made a difference? I think so as well, yeah. It's it's like it was too much of a coincidence for them to get in touch with me a half an hour after getting off the phone yourselves. Well, I'm delighted that we were part of the story to bring it a good to a, a happy, not not a happy conclusion. There's nothing happy about this. No, but no. at least to draw a line under it. Yes, correct. Okay, put it, okay. Put it, put it the rest as the same goes. They had said that it was about COVID backlog and reduced staffs working remotely correct. and things like that. And yeah. even if that was the case, but but at least now. It's fixed. It's done. It's fixed. All yeah. right. Okay. Thank you. You're more than welcome. And I want to thank you so for coming back. It's great when people come back with updates and I appreciate that. No worries. And thank you again. Oh, lovely to get in touch again, Mark. Thank you for that. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. Take bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Lines open at one 104 106 If the things that we can help you with, do get in touch because uh, sometimes the power of a phone call from the likes of us can make all of the difference bit of gentle persuasion. Heard you speaking about alcoholism on your show last week and it got me thinking, uh, listening to people talking on Friday, they seem to have formed a very unhealthy opinion 
despite no experience of addiction themselves. Uh, I, for many years, was what you would call a functioning alcoholic. I started my apprenticeship with alcohol at the age of 10. My brother died earlier this year and alcohol helped to kill him. I had a second brother who also died from alcohol-related issues, leaving me as the last of the Mohicans. In the 1970s, when I was in my early 20s, I even had an ulcer from drink. The doctor told me if I continued, I wouldn't be around for much longer. I didn't heed the GP's advice and just slowed down my intake for a short time, but I eventually gave up drink 15 years ago at the age of 54. Can I tell you that at one point, I would have had no problem polishing off one litre of neat vodka in two hours. At lunch, I would have a pint of vodka and a can of beer. My saviour during my drinking days was that I never forgot my meals. I would always make sure to have breakfast, lunch, dinner and tea. But on Sundays, we could start a session on board at 7am and go on from there. When I say on board, we were on ship. When we were on watch on board ship, we would work three hours on, four hours off. If we worked the midnight 3am shift, we often drank until our next shift as the rest of the crew would be asleep, wouldn't know. There are a lot of judges and juries out there who don't know what they're talking about. My upbringing wasn't all that good. My father grew up in an industrial school and and I believe this was the reason for me to start drinking. I never knew anything of my dad's experience in the institution until I tracked someone down a few years back who was in the industrial school with my father. My dad carried the shame of being in an industrial school to the grave and handed the shame onto me. When I eventually gave up drinking 15 years ago, I suddenly became very lonely as I was trying to avoid my drinking buddies and they were avoiding me. At that stage, I just started going to the gym as a form of distraction. I never thought, incidentally, that I ever had a drinking habit. I just thought I was a big drinker. Don't give out my details. C will do. Thank you for that email, C. Um, very interested into how you believe that your you that your dad handed you the shame of his life because of his start in life in an industrial school. You say my dad carried the shame of being in an industrial school to the grave and handed the shame onto me. Was it an instinctive DNA inbred thing you're saying that you got from your dad? It was part of your chemistry. Was part of his chemistry. Uh, and I'm also curious as well as to, you know, how how was your dad's life in spite of uh, being in an industrial school? I mean, what, what kind of a life did he make for himself? Could I even ask, did he have a, a relationship, an unhealthy relationship with, with alcohol? Uh, maybe if you'd like to come back and develop that point, it would be nice. But, it, but if not, and if you just want to leave it at that, thank you for your contribution. And I'm glad that you saw the light before it did kill you and turned your life around uh, because you just, you describe um, a very, very, very unhealthy relationship with alcohol, uh, drinking vodka by the litre bottle, a lunch that entailed a pint of vodka and a can of beer every day. God knows how you have any liver left or kidneys for that matter or any functioning organs, but you do, thankfully, and well done. A lot of credit due to you. Um, morning, Neil. Where are you watching the US Open? What channel is it on? Says a big tennis fan. Um, forgive me now. Uh, I'll just spend a few seconds on this. For those of you who aren't tennis orientated, it won't matter. But for those that are, a lot of tennis now is moving away from the old fashioned channels um, of RTE or ITV never did tennis really. BBC used to do some, but very little now. 
even Sky used to do some, they do hardly any, if anything. Uh, and we, Eurosport are doing less and less. The main platform for tennis now is on Amazon Prime. You need to um, take out a, a premium and take out an account with Amazon Prime. I think it may cost you about maybe a tenner a month. I'm not 100% sure, but they have all of the tennis now. They have it all year long. They have all of the major stuff except for Wimbledon that still stays uh, on the BBC. And I think maybe except for the French, not sure what will happen with the French. The French is next month. It was pushed back from the summer. That might be on Eurosport, but by and large, the majority of it now, uh, Amazon Prime. Everything else on Amazon Prime is rubbish, in my opinion. The movies and the television shows and all that other stuff, rubbish. The tennis is there, should you go wish to check it out for yourself. If you have a smart TV, you'll be able to watch it on that. Otherwise, you would Chromecast it from your phone and your PC and stuff like that by taking out um, uh, Amazon Prime. About a, maybe nine ninety nine, I think, a month. Back to the phone lines we go. Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are now, you? I'm suggesting that we need to get Christmas trees up. Bring Christmas that a little bit earlier. Am I not? No. Not this year, anyway. I know, I think... Normally, Christmas for me would start the 1st of December. Right, I have a five-year-old who's been asking about Santa Claus since July. Why? Is that normal? Well, for for Tyler and for Kean, yes. Um, But I think this year is a year that we have to seriously, especially if we have young kids, have to make an exception and think about getting things in early giving the situation with the COVID, we don't know. No, maybe you could do a bit of early Christmas shopping, but we can't celebrate it early. There's nothing you can do about that. I wouldn't wouldn't put up the tree or anything like that, but I would consider more getting, we'll say, presents and stuff in because, I mean, if you leave it too late... Now, that's the point I'm interested in. What if, for instance, November and December we're back? I'm I'm not doom and gloom merchant here now. You have have a five-year-old asking, why didn't Santa Claus come? And Santa Claus didn't come because he couldn't get from the North Pole and Mammy couldn't get into the shops because there was only restricted opening or they were closed again and everything online was taking months. I'm actually bringing my kids to Smith's today to see what they're interested in for Christmas. Are you? I am, and I haven't sent them back to school either. You won't send them to school, but you'll send them into Smith's to run around the aisles with loads of other people. Uh, no, no, they won't. We'll, we'll, we'll keep them with us and we'll keep them masked and away from others. But their, their dad is very high risk. He's in poor health, so we, we're not going taking a risk in sending them well, back. Well, I'm very sorry to hear that. I'm sure you're following all of the protocol and, uh, you know, keeping risks to a minimum. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, so you're off to Smith's now to check out the Christmas toys available for the... Yeah. What about what about um, people who are putting up Christmas trees? Well, if it makes them happy and it helps them get on with what's going on in the world, then so be it. But maybe in your own so, private home you can do whatever you want. But there's something crass about shops doing it, surely. There's something very commercial about that in September. Well, I think once the kids go back to school, it's kind of normal at this stage to see Brown Thomas putting up their Christmas stuff anyway. So, I mean... I don't see what difference it's going to if make. There's, if Brown Thomas put up a Christmas tree in a window next week, you wouldn't have a problem with that? No. Not at all. In September? Yeah. Leave them off. Add a bit of cheer to the streets and whatnot. You wouldn't say, oh, for God's sake, this is ridiculous. No, I love Christmas. I absolutely yeah, love Yeah, but love Christmas in December, like. I know, but 
it gives an excuse to kind of talk about the journey <laughs> and plan things. And so if you, I had my way, I'd have my tree up at the end of November <laughs> or start of November, but my husband would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're as excited I'd up on the first of December every year, and that's that's acceptable, I think, isn't it? You're, you're as excited as the lads then going to Smiths today, are you? Oh, I'm a pure baby. When it comes to the baby, the kids' toys and everything, I'm a pure baby. May I'm it always, may it always. I'd be the one way. pressing all the teddy bears that sing songs and dance and do their funny things. I love it. I wonder now will there be different protocol in Smiths now as regards to picking up and checking out toys? I don't think you'd be allowed to be taking things up, putting them down, playing with them, would you? Oh, I'd say probably not, but I'll uh, I'll put gloves on them as well. <laughs> all right, listen, go for it. Have a bit of fun. Mind yourself. Thanks Cheers. very much. Take care. Please. International students coming into Ireland, into Cork. Vincent says, my children's secondary school cancelled any exchange students for this year. Every school should have done the very same. It's a great opportunity for kids. But what if something happened and people's kids can't go back home or the parents will have to quarantine before seeing their kids? Continuing the exchange program this year doesn't make any sense. Caroline said, exchanges should not be happening this year for the sake of keeping Irish families safe. It's madness, really. We're never going to get on top of this virus. Yesterday I was sitting in a car at Ballybunion Beach. I saw a load of young adults in uniforms at the beach. There was no distancing adhered to, no masks worn either. Do people not think of others who may be vulnerable to the virus? Um, I wonder if your thoughts are changed now, having spoken to Inda, who actually does bring in kids. She has a company that does it, and she made a very good point, that, and I made the point myself, the kids coming into Ireland are probably safer than any of us because they're coming in with a negative test. I was asked to take foreign students this year, but due to the times we're in, I said I would not be in a position to take them and I'd review the decision next year if I could. I was surprised that they're even asking me at all. Trasta says, I blame the families. We take them every year, but what's going on in the world right now? We won't be taking them anymore. I would not put my family at risk this year. Brian said, if there were proper proper temperature checks and contact tracing at airports, then maybe people should be let in. I would still like to see 14-day mandatory quarantine being carried out regardless of what country people are arriving from. Vicky says, I've taken students in the past, won't take them this year. It's my own choice, nothing to do with COVID. Any international exchange student company I've dealt with are highly organised and professional. I knew of students coming into Ireland already, and I know these students were tested on arrival and isolated for a fortnight. Deborah says, I can't understand. The government are trying to make Ireland safe and then they're letting students come in. And Elaine says, Simon Coveney was talking about this on, on the news a few weeks ago. He said, people coming here to go to school is different to people coming here on holidays as they can self-isolate for two weeks before school starts. Um, actually, Aaron says, it's not us, but the students who are probably more at risk here in Ireland than arriving from their own country. Thank you for all those. Back in a minute. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. What? Was that Christmas being discussed just now? How sad. Did I miss Halloween or something? I give up. Uh, says uh, Somebody who says me talking about Christmas is a silly subject. Uh, you can't please everybody, but if we could, I suppose, the world would be very boring, wouldn't it? Um, and somebody else suggesting, Neil, I just let you know that ITV4 did show the French Open before um, but maybe it won't now with COVID and what have you. Okay, thank you. ITV4 apparently did by all accounts. And uh, there was another one. Um, 
where is that one gone there? There's a good one there with people saying that uh, it may have been a bad old year, uh, but somebody got married. Oh, yes, it may have been a crap year so far, but the 31st of August was one of the best days of our lives. After three attempts to get married, we finally done it, says Caroline and Keith Kinsella. So congratulations to you, wherever you tie the knot. Be good to know how that went, actually, how many people were at it, what was the reception like, what did you do for the afters, was there another get-together the next day? How did it work out for you? Um, anyway, we'll come back to that if you so choose. Text 0868104106. I need to do this because otherwise things will melt. Jim Byrne is back on from Happy Days Ice Cream down in Little Island. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Fair You're play still to. alive, I hope. I'm still alive. The funny thing is, we don't, would you believe it? We don't have a freezer at the radio station. We used to, what but we, we don't anymore. We'll have to eat under- so otherwise, I'd have waited until about 10 to 12 to talk to you, but I have to do this now for fear of the melting ice cream. Is that okay? That's perfect. Thank okay, you. Okay, so you sent me two vegan ice creams, and you told me, because you're talking about vegan stuff yesterday, you said that this will be the best ice cream I've ever tasted. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's correct. I, I, was, I, I was referring in particular to the pistachio. I presume you have it there with you. Yeah, well, we start with that, so. We'll open that. You take a taste of that pistachio and tell me what you think. And remember, this is a vegan product without, without uh, milk or cream in it now. So what is in it? Now, if I had to, if I if I told you that, you, I would have to have you taken out and 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 gay. Even even the replacement for the milk. Yes, yes, we we it's something we have developed with a, with a company in Italy ourselves. We've been working on this down for a while. Oh my god! And that's um, lovely. Oh yeah, that is lovely. I can say it, it actually. It, it for my mind, it is one of my favorites. It tastes like real ice cream made of milk and cream. It does really. It really tastes superb. I want a cone to put it into. Well, we'll do that next week for you. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Now, that wouldn't have been my choice now, right? I'd have gone for... Do you ever have the chocolate mint ice cream? Oh, boy. We do, yeah. We do all of those. Oh, my we God, do I love those that those and sugar-free ones as well. So the other one now is peach. The peach, yeah. This is not ice cream. It's a frozen yogurt. That's correct. All Again, right. But it's a vegan product. Oh, totally. I wouldn't be trying it otherwise. Hang on. Oh, my God. I want to marry that. I want to sleep with that ice cream. Now, somebody up there has shafted you, I think, Neil, because we sent you a coconut one as well, which is fantastic. The coconut one never... The coconut never made it into the studio. That's what I was thinking. Uh, That would be another very good popular one as well. (laughs) that frozen yogurt is the nicest I've ever had in my life. Well, we do several flavors in that in that yogurt. We do blueberry, which I is my would be my favorite. But we we did we sent down what we had on hand here for you this morning. Oh, awesome. to, is this is this healthy now? Is this healthy? You won't get anything more healthy than that now. Could you have that for your lunch, like a whole top of it? You could. You could. So, lads, somebody take this away. That's just too nice. <laughs> no, um, that's gorgeous. A plug in there, which if you wouldn't mind. Another one. Another little plug, yeah. yeah. You're, you're so good. Nice, you can take you this that. away and let people eat it because it's going to melt and it's delicious. Everybody will love it, so get stuck in. It's hardly anybody in the radio station these days because of COVID, so they'll have a Understandably. feast. Understandably. Go ahead. Um, like times have been difficult for us and, and in particular for a lot of our people who, who didn't get the opportunity to reopen cinemas, the opera house, restaurants, all those people. But we are now next week launching an, an absolutely new product which is make it at home ice cream yourself. We will put, it'll be an online sales. We'll post the, the product out and people can make ice cream or ice pops out of this themselves, right? Uh, so like you're going to give them a kit, are you? Yeah. 
Fantastic. You know, um, Oak Fire Pizza did that there during the summer, uh, during the spring at the start of this. They gave people pizza kits and they were a roaring success. Well, we have all these kits ordered. What I would might suggest is if we'd send one or two of these on to you. Unfortunately, the ones we'd be sending on to you aren't branded with our own names. But just if you wanted to put them out there, just give it to get a feel from people, right? Okay. You can make their own ice creams at home with these. They're absolutely delicious. They can make what you have eaten there now at home. Okay, okay. Um, what, what would they be retailing at, my friend? Um, they would be going out uh, uh, per litre or per half litre. They would be running out at about six euros. Ah, for God's sake. Send me half a dozen of those would give them away. And how can people get them for themselves? At the moment, we're just sending the product. We haven't the machines, but we will be sending on the machines. We, 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 that's geared up for the Christmas market, now. the machines. Okay, but in the short term, is it happydays.ie? No, in the short term, it'll be, well, the new company, it's a sister company, it's easy, freezy, but most of it is available on Happy Days as well. Okay, well, Happy Days will direct you towards easy, freezy yeah, and make your own, easy, ve- yeah. and you can make your own vegan ice cream and frozen yogurt. And any and kind of ice cream, sugar-free ice cream is the last. Fair play to you. Well, you delivered on your promise anyway, and you are right. It is very, very, it's totally delicious. Thanks, Jim. Well, Take care. That is available now. That is available from this Friday. That peach is available in dialogue, which is part to yourself for a couple of days a little Italy in Wilton and they will have that on sale from Friday on okay happy okay. to support local thank you Jim happy to support local as always I read out Caroline's text there about having a crap year but after three attempts they eventually tied the knot and she's agreed to come on here for a, for a grilling good morning <laughs> good morning Neil how are you I want to know everything about it firstly oh firstly all of the cancellations what was all that about well, the first time round, um, our son came along. So I was like, no, we'll put it off, we'll put it off. And then we were all go for it the 19th of May. We were actually doing it up in the registry office in Cork, uh, small numbers, about 30 people, just close family. Then we were going for a family meal. And then myself, Keith, Leah and Ryan were all driving up to Dublin that evening to fly out on holidays the next day. Oh my so God, and all, all that. Everything got, got cancelled. And it was just, it was devastating the fact that it was the kids' first time out foreign as well. Where were you going, like, did we you are, say? We were going to Cambrils, Kate, Cambrils in Spain. Salute. <sighs> Salute. Yeah, so like that was just our ideal holiday and like we did we just went all out for the holiday then but obviously all that got cancelled and to and forward to registry office going what's next what's the story um, then they rang me and the date that they gave me was October and I was like no not happening so I just said look we'll leave it we'll do it another time and I got up one morning then and Keith was standing in the kitchen. He was like, we're getting married to 31st of August <coughs> at two o'clock. And How did, like, he, oh. did he organise that without your knowledge? He did. Yeah, I just, I had enough of everything. It just like there was, you know, we were, everything was being cancelled. You were waiting for it, it to just, go from no 50 magic. to 100 and honeymoons yeah. to be allowed and that wasn't happening. So Nothing, nothing. Um, so I had given up. I was like, look, we'll do it when hopefully everything quietens down. So he was like, no, we're going for that date, 31st of August, 2 o'clock, start organising. So started organising everything again. We um, kept obviously to the 50 in the, the church and at home. But my ideal wedding was having it in my parents' backyard. Yeah. And 
because of everyone that has helped putting up to putting up marquees, bouncing castles, decorating the marquees, lending chairs, tables, everything was just amazing. We actually ended up getting married in George's uh, Heritage Centre in Mitchestown, which is a stunning location. I don't know that. What do they do there? Oh, it's Look, it's just after being taken over as it is now by a heritage group. Uh, We were the third wedding to happen in there, which is weird because it's our third attempt and we're together 13 years. Like, is that 13 years? Well, you got there. I've spoke to people a lot longer than that, but 13 years. 13 years is overdue, I suppose. (laughs) Yep. But but was it an indoor wedding or was it out in the grounds of something? How did that work? Oh, indoor. It was like, it's a stunning church. It's actually overlooking the Galtees. It's got like, it's just an, an amazing church. The minute we went in there, it was like, even though obviously it's an old church, there's the roof has to be repaired, which thankfully isn't being started okay, in September. Okay. So that was lovely. And did, um, So you, you got married in a church with no roof? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I mean, <laughs> the music, we had music in there. He was actually Eamon Walsh singing our music for Mitchestown. Did you have he a wedding dress on? Oh, full, full wedding dress. Yes. Wedding car and everything? Wedding car. I went all out for this this time like at the start I was like no not having a wedding dress not having a wedding car didn't see the point but we went all out we got the wedding car the wedding dress obviously we had our witnesses uh, our little flower girl page boy obviously our two kids and then after that we actually went to Blackwater Castle for our wedding photos stunning location and I just want to give a shout out to Sheila as well to say thanks so much for leaving us use the grounds it was just amazing. And then you had marquee back in your parents' house. We actually set up two marquees, even though we were just having like the 50 people, you know, with social distance and everything. We did want people to have enough room. Uh, got a bounce castle. And then for the catering, we got Galti Valley catering. And that everyone raved about the food. It was just... Delighted. I just wanted to know how it went for you. And you didn't feel in any way cheated on your big day, considering the limitations that Um, were put on you? No, because who, like, we had our close family there, and that's who we wanted. Like, it was was just a beautiful day from start to finish. Everyone we wanted there, like, of course, look, we would have wanted all our friends and neighbours and everything like that, but look... It was our close family and it was amazing. And everyone, like everyone was there to help on Good the day stuff. as well. Like it was, it was brilliant. Did you have anything the next day then for friends or anything? My father, see, we, my father actually built a bar in the shed. <laughs> like it was a full on bar. He'd like um, the old uh, Guinness uh, things as well, taps. Yeah. Um, like I got a big sign made out for him, Pat's bar. We had like the, the drink list and it was amazing like but what we did obviously we had a lot of cleaning to do yesterday so myself and my father actually got up and we tore into it and uh, my cousin Linda and obviously Keith and they helped us strip the whole lot and that evening then yesterday evening we sat down just myself my parents Keith the kids my cousin her daughter my aunt we actually sat in the bar and finished after, finished after oh. keg of Heineken. <laughs> I think there was more than six people in that bar, was there? 
social distancing though it's a big space it's a big space well it sounds to me as if you made you made the most of it it's it's sometimes that's just ideal you know small numbers close family people that you love most why not that that was it and it was it was magical from the the moment we walk start to finish and I couldn't have asked like there were so many people there to help us out well done delighted and it was just brilliant so thanks so much to everyone that helped us well done well done do you feel any different now as a married woman no uh, no, we're kind of back to it now this morning. I was it doesn't feel any different, no? He's had his fly in this morning. So no, there's nothing. There's nothing I've changed and I got <laughs> up with kids. What are you going <laughs> to do now? What are you going to do with that wedding dress? Oh, it's going in to get cleaned anyway, number one, because it's absolutely... Yeah, and then what are you going to do with it? Admire it in the wardrobe for the next 30 years, is it? Um, I'm one of these people that will always hold on to these things. Did you pay much for it? Um, yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my parents actually paid for it. Thousands? I like was the last to get married. Thousands, and, um, was it? I, it? Yeah, it was a nice price. It was <laughs> worth it. Let's put it that way. It was well worth it. I, it wasn't something that I was going for because it was the registry office, but... We went up to vows. I know, I know. Oh, listen, I, it's what you wanted to do. But like, I just yeah. often wonder, for one day, you know? I felt great in it though. I would not have, there was, that was the dress for me. Like when I tried on the dresses, I thought I would have liked, which was like to the knee. And I was, oh no, no, take it off. And that dress then, it was above what my cost was. It always is. They yeah, always and are. And I tried it on and... That was it. I actually cried. My mother cried. My daughter cried. And I was like, this is it. I'm just wondering, are there there anybody out there that look at their wedding dress that they wore on one day with anger now at the amount of money that they spent on it? And uh, it is of no use to nobody. Would you know the difference between, would a punter know the difference between a 500 euro wedding dress and a five grand wedding dress? I don't know. But all I can say about my wedding dress is that I loved it. And it was the wearer. The wearer knows the difference, so is it? Yeah, I just thought it was just so comfortable. It wasn't heavy. It w- and I, I loved it. I, I did love it. Like I would love to get it. My, uh, the girl that actually altered it for me, she said that she could turn it into a christening outfit for my, my daughter or my son. Like when they do, if they do have kids which would be something I'd probably look into as well. All right, girl. Listen, we covered a lot yeah. of ground. That's the Inquisition over. I'll let you get on yeah. to enjoy a married life. Congratulations Thanks to you so and much. Keith. Take care. Thanks Take care. Again, Neil. Bye, Caroline. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Okay. 104 to 106 Red FM. Text 0868-104-106 and we'll come back to a lot of calls between now and midday and lots and lots of texts on different topics of conversation. Believe me, I mean an awful lot of different topics. House parties, off license are not to blame, like somebody suggested yesterday. They are not to blame for everything, despite what your caller Chris might think. He just briefly referred to the foreign multinational supermarkets who have the cheapest alcohol of all. Also, many publicans were very happy to facilitate a takeaway service and charge a fortune for it during lockdown. Many of the people now who are out, who are out of it are on drugs as well. Chris needs to open his eyes, join the 21st century. Many pubs let people in before opening hours and had lock-ins also after opening hours as well as an off-license service and were quite happy to cream the profits and break the rules. Off-licenses are to blame 
for everything despite off licenses are not to blame that should say are not to blame for everything despite what some may think uh, the Irish people need to wake up the economy here is in free fall the government are forcing us to wear face masks and they're restricting our civil liberties for a virus which is a mild flu in the vast majority of cases and has a 99% recovery rate the next step is a health passport I suppose and then next year we'll have forced vaccines the lockdown is crushing people. It's grand for anyone whose job is essential uh, or of fine health. Um, what's the truth in this pandemic, says Sean? Fauci says that just people with symptoms are the driving force behind the virus spreading. And they've revised their death figure. Now they say just 6% of people died from COVID as the primary cause. I don't know about that, but I do know somebody suggested to me this morning that the CSO has revised the COVID-19 death figures again. So I'll be interested in getting my hands on that. Hopefully before midday, if not in the morning. They've revised the figures downwards is what I'm saying. Anyway, let's, um, let, let's look at the more positive aspects of people's lives during lockdown. For many, many people, of course, they took on a task or they set themselves a goal. You know, men did many things. So to get fit, join a gym, take up running, maybe take up a hobby, learn a musical instrument, read books, you know, do work in the garden, be kinder to people. And many then, of course, um, decided that they looked at themselves and they wanted to change their shape and how they felt about themselves. And that meant attacking their weight. And amongst them uh, was Siobhan. It's an inspirational call, I believe. Siobhan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Fair play. So why, why, and, and I think you also were, were diagnosed, were you recently diagnosed with arthritis? Yes, Neil, yeah. Last year I was diagnosed with arthritis after many years of suffering with uh, pain and unknown of what was going on. Um, I was really, really crippled. I used to get flare-ups and stuff and I used to have a lot of swelling in my joints. And uh, so, yeah, I found out last year I had um, arthritis in my knees and my pelvis and my lower back. Um, and I was put on um, medication in injections actually weekly um, last year. That was enough to be getting on with as it was. And then, of course, COVID-19 came along. And do you have a beauty salon or did you have a salon? Yeah, I had a nail salon in Formoy. Um So, like, I had it for a year and then when COVID hit, it closed down. Um, so, yeah, I was super busy and uh, that picture was the awards night in uh, February. The photograph so, that you sent me, uh, the before photograph, yeah. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. February yeah. just gone. And just you, gone. you didn't reopen the business, no? No, Neil, um, I'm taking time out to focus on myself um, and the kids. And so, um, yeah, so I didn't reopen. At the moment, I don't know, uh, will I or won't I? So, yeah, so just going forward, just taking time out. And that photograph at that awards yeah. night, um, you weren't happy when you saw your size, no? No, I actually never shared it. Like, I only put up a face selfie that night. Um, so you were very conscious media. then of it, you know? Oh, I was like nobody, not even my kids had seen it and and nobody had seen it because I was actually, I was mortified with it and I kind of got a shock myself with how actually big it was because I remember running around trying to get something to wear for it and it was, it was a nightmare and um, a local shopping for my actually Susan's, they helped me and they were very good to me and yeah, so I got that dress and we went and yeah, it was a good night here. Yeah. Yeah. And that weight, did it creep up over a period of time because of the arthritis that you weren't exercising or was it as many times Um, it's about diet, right? 
Yes, I tried to lose it a good few times, um, Neil. Um, I tried different loads of different things. Um, I'm sure everybody has, and I just literally just I just took the bull by the horns in May, and I just said, look, I started walking first of all, um, actually down like down by River Walk. So I started walking, I started running, and I started just kind of eating a bit healthier, and um, then it kind of started to see it come off. Um, you know, so it started coming off weekly and I was actually shocked to myself how fast it was coming off. And talk to me about the food before and after you started this journey. What were you eating beforehand? Like before I would have like, actually because when I'm working in the salon we used to do long hours um, so I actually really didn't eat that much. I lived in a lot of coffee and um, it, says here, it says here chips, wedges and bread. <laughs> yeah, I had a really poor diet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a really poor diet, and and then like I couldn't understand then why I couldn't lose. Like I I think we all know what we need to eliminate. So like yeah, my diet was pretty bad, and um, exercise I did nothing. I did no exercise at all. I didn't have time for it, um, and because um, I as I said I ran the salon and the kids and everything. So then as I said with the time during lockdown and and with the time in May I started as I said doing the walking I was fairly bad with my arthritis um, I had to I tried to come off my medication a couple of times because it was quite dangerous and then when um, so then when I, I am actually off it now with the last few months so I'm delighted with that and do you think that this is the, the reason that you're off your meds is because of the weight loss Totally, totally. Like, I've no arthritis pain whatsoever. I have muscle pain oh from the gym. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you serious that all of that arthritic issue from last year has gone now? Yeah, like, totally. All gone. Because all you gone. started walking, you changed your diet, you started going to the gym, you got a personal trainer. Yeah. And, like, my diet now, like, would be, like, I like I don't eat bread now. Um, I, I, I'm clean eat Monday to Friday. Um, and then on the weekends, then I eat what I want and I drink what I want, and um, it just has a, a balance and it's working for me at the moment. And we keep, I'm going to keep going with that. And if I hit, like at the moment, I'm still losing the weight. And if I hit a plateau, then um, Steve, my personal trainer, will know um, how to change things up. Then with so the from June to now, which is June, July, and August, you've lost over three stone. Over three stone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just from literally commissioning and putting the heads to the game and working hard. Like I go to the gym, I go to the gym four to five days a week. Um, I just enjoy it. It's good for me. It's good. It's, you know, it's good for the head and it's good for the body and it's good for everything. And I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. And you were te- you were saying that um, with the arthritis and the way you were going, you you'd have been in a wheelchair in five years time. Yeah, definitely. Like I was so crippled. Like even my clients. Like I, there were some days in the salon where I couldn't, couldn't like function because it, like the arthritis, the flare ups, swelling, it affect my eyes, it affect my hands, um, it affect every part of it. Like it's so. And of course, you were beating sugar into yourself, right, and overloading in carbs, but lots and yes. lots of sugar, and that was yeah. adding fuel to the fire. Like that was the flare up. It was, and I never realised, and. I never realised like how much like and my doctor had said to me about diet and exercise and I was just I used to look at him like and I was like, you know, is that always your answer? Do you know, but do you know what it is the answer. It is the answer. Because I, I was you talking know? about this yesterday where far too many medics don't acknowledge that the food that we eat, um, you know, our gut health, that it affects your physical health, but also more importantly or equally important, your mental health. And some people would make the link between eating badly and depression. Some doctors say that that's nonsense. Um, but did your moods change? 
Oh, totally. Like, I'm I'm like a new woman. I'm always smiling. I'm running around the place. I, I've never, like, been able to do so much, like, even with kids, like, um, like, we had loads of, obviously, with everything closed, we've had loads of, like, river days, swimming days, and, um, like I said, the one day they turned around, Mammy, you're so much fun, is because I did a belly flop into the river on a, a floaty, and uh, <laughs> something I've never done before, and just simple things like that. Well, you'd that, have made a much know? bigger splash last year, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm telling you, I would have, and I wouldn't have um, either been wearing a shorts and a, and a muscle top. Because you look absolutely <laughs> amazing, all credit due to you. What would Thanks you, so much, Neil. Thank and you. I think you're back in high heels as well, yeah? Oh, I am. I am. I, that was actually, like, one of the biggest things. I was like, I'm never going to be able to wear a pair of heels again, or I'm never going to be able to wear this. Like, I'm just floating around now. Do you know, like, even when I, the way I walk, like, my steps, I have like, I can get my 10,000 steps now, nearly by of lunchtime course. most days of course and have, have has the kids diet changed now because of yours yes yeah yeah like I I like I, I give them a lot more cleaner food now they they definitely I, I change up things with them I'm just trying to enforce them and like getting out and about we're out walking and stuff like that we're doing more out and about things than we've ever done you know because unfortunately you know? I do hear stories of children who have breakfast they have their lunch going to school and everything they have their dinner when they go home and then they might be allowed to dial in for takeout later in the evening, you know, that kind of a thing, way too often. And, of course, they're piling on the pounds and piling on yeah, the calories. Yeah, like I cut, I've, like, even, like, myself, I, I used to get a lot of takeaways. I at least have at least two two takeaways a week. And, like, now I I treat, maybe, I to be honest, it doesn't even bother me. Um, no, we maybe have one one every now and then, you know. So what would a typical um, day's, no. what would a typical day's food be, look like then? Mine, um, typical day of food would be, first of all, if I was going to the gym, I would have a banana and a coffee. I love my coffee. Um, and um, then I would have, like, I'd have a protein shake when I come back from the gym. Um, then try and get some, like, cereal, maybe some porridge or some Weetabix. Um, my lunch, then I'd have, like, I've changed from bread. Instead. I would have a brown wrap with, like, chicken salad. Um, I have a small weakness for coleslaw, <laughs> and then so just a little bit. I cut. I've cut my portion. My dinner is then. I've cut. Like I, I've changed it up. Like I have. I actually don't use a plate anymore, and it's been the biggest. My portion sizes have cut massively. I don't use a plate anymore. I use a bowl all the time for any of my foods, um, and that way then you can't over. So what a typical use. dinner then would be what? So it would be chicken. Well, my favorite would probably be chicken curry or stir fries. And I've changed it, like to the say the slimmers curries. Gotcha. And, yeah. So stir fries you know, and curries and lots of veg or curries, more dry foods, like then with sauces. You know, kind of just be mindful about what I. But if you're controlling your your portion size, you're not hungry all the time, no. No, no, because like I'm drinking lots of water in the between. As I said, I do drink lots of coffee. I've changed. Like I used to take. Three, three sugars in my coffee um, and I go to the local um, coffee shop and they know now Monday to Friday it's three sweeteners and then the weekend then I'll have my three brown sugar <laughs> get rid so, of the sugar get rid of it totally get rid of the sugar and get rid of the bread is one of the biggest things bread, I found yeah. uh, bread is so nice but it's just <laughs> for some people though I don't know what it is with the makeup and metabolism of some people they can handle it and others like me just can't so you want to spread a message of positivity and inspiration to others by sharing that story 
I do like I think if I can even just help one person like to just to turn your you know turn it around it's, it's very doable like you know you just have to put in the work you have to have it in the mind though the mind is everything like if you had, don't have it in the head there's no point going into the gym oh, I don't want to be here or you're going like I used to go, actually when I've tried to lose weight before I'm going to say I used to lose it for occasions or I used to use it for like events or holidays and I used to be so stressed. Like, I used to wind myself up before even, like, again, with the awards night. I'd wind myself up, like, stressed to try to lose it so fast. And so, for and I never the used event to or for the holiday or for the, the wedding you were going to. The, yeah. yeah. So I now, I'm, like, I'm doing it now for myself. And I'm doing it for, like, going forward for a healthier. I'm never going back. I never want to get, like, that pain back from the arthritis. Well, for me, that's but, one of the amazing parts of the story is that the arthritis is gone. Yeah, like, That's incredible. Um, you know, so like, I no think if anybody pain. puts their mind to it and they can, they can do it, you know, and go forward. If I can do it, anybody else can. Okay. Uh, are you online or anything? Are you on social media or anything like that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm new, like, I'm, I'm on Instagram, so I'm under Siobhan Roach on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook. Instagram a lot more. Siobhan Roach on fa- in Instagram. If on Instagram, people yeah. want to follow up on your journey. Listen, it's a great yeah. story. I'm so delighted. That you, and you're you're not finished yet, like you're not. No, um, my is, goal now for like my goal now for the Christmas is is hopefully to get down another two stone. It's I know it's a big one, but it's not my goal way still. Um, like Stephen, my personal trainer, he believes that I will have a beach body for next year. Hopefully, <laughs> if COVID is over, <laughs> a beach baby, uh, a beach be- a beach body for Inchidani, is it? <laughs> But sure, this is it. This is it. Once there's a beach, I go. <laughs> okay, you don't mind if we share those photographs, do you? Of course not. Not at all. all not right. at all. Do stay in touch. It's a great story. Thanks for sharing it. Take care, Siobhan. All right. Thank you so much, Neil. Cheers. Cheers. Take Bye. care. Bye. A beach body by next summer. I'd like to see those two photographs when she reaches her goal, and I have a feeling she will. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Ah, yes. Thanks a lot, Neil. My daughter walked in to see me tucking into a tub of ice cream at 11 in the morning. You nearly drove me mad, smacking your lips while devouring Happy Days yogurt and also the Happy Days um, vegan ice cream. Mine was just plain old HB. There's nothing wrong with it, Mary. We were reared on HB. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Somebody said by text yesterday that some of the Ben and Jerry's cartons of stuff in the tubs you eat have like 24, is it 24 or 26 spoons of sugar in them? And many's the person that would sit down and eat one of those tubs all on their own. Anyway, lines are open uh, between now and midday, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 Dearman standing by. First up, William, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You Did you pick up the phone when you heard the word arthritis, was it? Yeah, because I suffer that myself. I have a rare thing, you see. I think I, just before we continue on, I want to uh, send my condolence to your wife's uh, mother. Oh, I you're very kind, mother. Kitty, Kitty Lennon. And Thank I you. Spoke to you. I spoke to you briefly there. And, um, you did. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have you uh, now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you know me now. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, you see, there's a two thing wrong with me. I was born with polio. And what happened was all the legs are all deformed. So uh, they had to do an operation. And I have metal from the right the whole way down leg. Now, there's an infection inside there that won't go away. Were you born in the 50s? I came in 58. There you go. That's the time. That was the time. Yeah, yeah. that was the time. I didn't walk until I was about four years of age. And um, I I used to creep on the floor. That's how I used to get around. And then I got, I went to the cock polio school for many, many years. 
And um, I was okay. I was walking them, and I got um, a job in the cash and carry. I was a storeman for about four years. And how did you get around there? It's a very physical job. Very physical job, but after three or four years, bang, down I came. That was it. Uh, I got very severe arthritis in the legs, and it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. And how are you getting around now? I'm in a wheelchair now, most of them. And I used the walking frame in around the house. I was telling Brenda that you always after. Yeah. So I used the walking frame in around the house, but it's very difficult. Yeah. And you were happily it's married very... to a wonderful woman for years, though, oh, weren't you? God, I was. Neil. I go to the cemetery every day, nearly. I do. I do. And I still do that. And that anniversary now is coming up five years in January. And I'm still there every day if I can get there. To St. Finbar's? Yeah. Yeah. Every single I, day. Every single day. Now the weather's after clearing. I'm hoping it'll stay fine so I can get there today. So and you load uh, up the wheelchair into the car over to St. Finbar? No, no, I uh, know. I get the, I want to give a plug here. I know the bus here and drivers are very good to me, the men and women. They put down the ramp and I just get on into the bus. And Would I you stay long in St. Finbar's then? I could stay an hour. I could stay two hours. Uh, it depends if I start talking to people. I could be here two hours. And that's what's happening lately. I meet other people that are under the same situation. As and my are kids. they going every day or a few times a week? They, as go, they do the same thing as I'm doing. Is there's a no, lot they, of comfort in that then for people, is there? Well, I think there is, Neil, but I know other people think there isn't. But I feel there is. In my view, there is. Oh, absolutely. And you're entitled to that view. It's a very personal thing. Well, and would you chat with your wife? Yeah, I would, but at the moment, no, it's very hard to get up to the grave because what's have happening, there's a lot of rain in the walkways, and what happens to the chair will sink down, you'll never get in or you'll never get it out. Oh, that's so a I curse for you, isn't it? It's a curse, but look. But if you had someone to push in and out, would it be easier for no, you? No, 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 she's automatic. I have, um, it's battery, it's powered operate, but it, what happens, the back wheels would skid in the muck, and you, you know, you didn't want it. I got stuck in before I had to get, pull, I, I had to get pulled out of it, so I wouldn't <sighs> <laughs> you sound very positive in spite of losing a beautiful wife and uh, suffering polio as a child and all sorts of complications because of it. But what can you do? I mean, there is no other way out of it. You know, you just, I live in my own and you just have to take every day as it comes. Christmas is a half time for me. Uh, my anniversary would be, I'd be over 25 years married in November if she was alive. That's a half month as well, but you just have to get over it. I know. Why do you stay so positive though? I don't know, Neil, I don't know where I got it from. I think I got it when I was going to school. With the cupboard, uh, it was known as cotton pole your time. They were very good to me. I think I got it from there. Yeah, you just have a just a friendly, positive disposition. Yeah, everyone says that to me in Finn Even the lads, the work lads are amazing with me. But um, they have to be positive, you know. But is you know, the arthritis not painful on top of everything else? It then? is very painful. Oh, God, yeah, Neil. Oh, yeah, it's very, very painful. Yeah, it's very, very painful. If I'm sitting down in the chair... I'm okay. If I'm lying down in the bed, I'm all right. But time to walk, it's it's a it's a different story. And how do you feel when you hear people whinging and whining? And you can even throw me in, include me in it about masks and not being able to go into a pub and COVID nineteen is over the top well, and all that. Well, I mean, I suppose Neil, the way I look at that, I, I wear a mask wherever I go. Sometimes, I, I most times, I wear wear a visor, but I have no problem wearing the mask. And I think I suppose people can't wear them. I suppose I don't know. I have no problem. No, I'm just talking about people that. Just complain about silly insignificant. I'm not saying COVID is insignificant, but people who are just complainers and moaners. Considering I think what your life's been like, I think they should they, they, they should just you know sit back and take everything as a come. Wearing a mask is not the end of the world. 
I think we need to and count I, our blessings an awful lot more, you yeah, know? Yeah, you need to count. And you will have to wear a mask. It's only a small sacrifice. Please, God, this virus will go here. Calm down or whatever to do. You know? And um, I think everyone should wear the mask. And if you're going to a pub or whatever you do, just wear it and, you know, do whatever everyone else is doing. Okay, well, I'm delighted you picked up the phone and called. <laughs> I know I did see you at the at the funeral at a distance. Yeah, in I spoke to very briefly, but yeah. I didn't say too much because it's not the time of the place to be talking to people. I know. You know, when there's a loved one going in there. Well, I, I, but I, but, I know, that. but I know you can't, you can't wait to get back to St. Finbar's again to see your beautiful wife. What was her name? Uh, Paula. Forever in Paula. your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I talk about her every day, every single day, Neil. You know, she was my soulmate, and um, we were 34 years together. You know, to lose that, it's it's hard as well. Like, it but, is. Um, it is. There yeah. is life at the end of the tunnel. You have to go. You have to keep going. I keep going. That's what she wanted me to do, and that's what I'm doing. Okay, you're delivering on your promise to her. Mind yourself, I William. Do that st- I can do that anyway. All right, bye. <laughs> Listen, stay in touch. All right. I will, Neil, and thanks for chatting with me, and I I'm hope I didn't take up too much of your time. <laughs> Just stop. You're lovely. Take yeah. care. Mind yourself. Lovely, William. Gillian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I mean, that um, puts us fairly in our box, doesn't it? We keep going. Yeah, it does indeed. No, I'll tell you now, I just get so annoyed. Every morning, people complaining about wearing the mask. My point is, you know, put it on, get on with life. It's the way we are now. You know, what is the problem? If you have a, a problem that you can't breathe or for reasons you can't wear the mask, wear a visor. It's too important. These people saying that there isn't something going on. We don't know. You know, we have to get on with it. And that, that's the way I feel. Now, why do you think no, of the ones you see that don't wear it or refuse to wear I it? Get very, I get annoyed. I get so cross. I really do get so cross. I think I've gone to a few people now and I've asked them, where's their mask? You know, I just, now I have problems myself. I, I think they don't really that it's the ma- by us wearing a mask we're protecting them I think they think if they wear the mask it's they're protecting themselves you know what, what do they mean? say and to you when you say it to them um, one one lad no, just actually said oh oh the mask and he walked out of the shop I was in and he went to his car and he was searching in the car and as I was pulling out of the drive of the shop I saw him going round another way and in without his mask oh for now, God's another sake. lady yeah another lady he was only play acting yeah, he didn't have a mask and that was it. He would just didn't want Why to have I not? I just would me. never say that to someone. You wouldn't ask them with the mask, wouldn't no. you? Am I a coward or what? Or is it just none of my business? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It just, you know, it just, and I wouldn't know if it was a big, you know, if it was inside in, we'll say, Woody's now or somewhere like that because you can keep far enough. But if you're in little shops like inside in Wilton, now where the shops are small and someone can in without a mask, I just get so cross about it. You know, the way I look at it, and with all this talk of pubs opening, and I feel very sorry for the people that own these pubs, but I mean, the way they're going on, you think drink is the be-all and end-all of everything, and you know... that. that Not so much about the drink, really, now. It's about the publicans and their livelihoods and their families. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I feel very sorry for them. I feel really, really sorry for them, because I had an aunt who had a bar for a long, long time, and I know what it's like. It's it's your your bread and butter, you know? Was that a cork? But, um, 
It was in West Cork, Ross Carberry. Oh, lovely. Small little country yeah, pub. So, okay. Yeah, so it's gone. No, it's gone, like, at this stage. But, yeah, I just I just get so upset over it. I can't understand why, just for the sake of slipping it, it's in the car, you don't have to wear it when you're driving, you get out of the car, put it over your ears, go into the shop, come out, take it off. What is all the hassle? All right, girl, you mind know, yourself. Thanks for that. Appreciate you too, Neil. it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get to another couple of calls in this side of midday. Dermot. Good morning, uh, just heard you mention Ross Carberry. The the causeway there is two hundred years old this year. It's an amazing. Um, yeah. It's an amazing connection. It was built. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Every time I drive over it, I just say, "Wow, it's incredible." It really is. And on the right hand side, they've got this beautiful little boating area where you can hire yeah. canoes and little boats, and you can take the kids out and the family out. It's a superb area. Ross Carberry's gorgeous. Anyway, you wanted to just. We were going on yesterday about college fees and Susie mm. grants and people looking for reductions from the college because it's moved to online learning and they're not actually well, physically I, going to college. Mm, yeah. And I'm as one with, it, it's appalling that people have to pay charges and they're going to have online, you know, stuff, whatever. And, and they're, they're in a pickle as to wondering, should I travel down to Cork City or wherever, you know, to, to attend? Well, if you're somebody sit doing a master's, it's 10 grand now where they never go to college at all. It's all you online. Know, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but please, everybody out there, all the people who are moaning about college fees in England, it's been, it's been, this has been the way it's been for the past 10 years. The Liberal Democrats, the third party in English politics, were hammered as a result of this decision. Uh, it's £9,000 a year. When, when students from abroad, you know, when, when Irish students are doing a, a course in University of Westminster or wherever, uh, well, we have a scheme where it's free for us to attend there because the government puts taxpayers' money is, is earmarked, you know, to pay for that, you know. But your average Brit who wants to go to, to college, he has to pay he or she has to pay £9,000 a year. So there's, there no, there's no subsidy for them, is there not? Uh, th- there is some, but uh, the vast majority of people pay, well, they get loans, you see, and you, and you, you effectively do it on a never-never. You pay it back then over a long you period of time. You pay it back over an, a, a huge, long length of time. And, but the problem is you're saddled with 30,000 in debt. Well, I have to tell you that, that that was being talked about in Ireland in the recent few yeah. years. They were talking about um, you know, t- getting rid of the... You know, it's those 50-50 who, here. Those who, when I hear people complain of 3,000 a year, they don't complain too much. <laughs> Uh, but what See, I'm, going to, I sound, I'm sound terribly arrogant. But anyway, about the Susie grant and that. Now, I cannot blame Susie for turning down the lady yesterday. Joan. Joan Joan's marriage ended after it 20 ended, years. It's still ongoing. She's still married. Yes, but it ended. He's gone. No, but it's, it's still ongoing. So she has to declare herself as married because she doesn't have a certificate of separation, whatever they call it here. Or she doesn't have a but she, but she couldn't put down married because she wouldn't she be able to trace. She wouldn't be able to trace her husband married. to. Pro- I know, but she couldn't prove her means then because they would then ask for um, proof of earnings. And your man is in England, and she doesn't talk to him anymore. See him she anymore? She said she didn't know where he lived, which I found mind-boggling. Does she not know his nationality? Also, she could very easily find him on the internet. We'll at least find 
Andreas, does does the woman not have? Um, does the woman does the woman's uh, husband? Uh, does he not have a family? Is he? I, well, I have no idea. Is he foreign national? Is he whatever? You know. But say, let's pretend the mother-in-law lives in Dublin, whatever. Get in touch with the mother-in-law and say, I tell you what, we're going to go through the divorce. Will you accept? Will you accept service? Will you just? You know his address. Ah, yeah, she might get. She address. might get divorced in the future. But the problem. The problem is for now. The form yeah, said she has, she's she options on the, the form for ten years. She did, but she just didn't get around to it. A lot of us don't. <laughs> she was happy. She was busy rearing her son. Fair enough. Yeah. Sorry. I'm. I'm being. Sorry. I'm. I'm just. I'm being devil's advocate here, really. From the point, you know, and also just be be of warning to others that if you are currently in in a situation like that, for God Almighty's sake, take some, you know, do some legwork. No, don't leave it till a month before the college course begins. The legwork would involve trying to find out where the person resides, so at least you'll have an address that you can attempt service. Because you see, service of the petition has to be proved. Whether it's good service, I know, or and, that, and, and that's going far. She, like, but she, I listen. I know she had a time over. She'd have done this a long time ago and got it sorted a long time ago. The form isn't all that fair. It says married, divorced. But she's I don't know what married. The third <laughs> it's it's a, it's a legal status. If she was with the greatest of respect, all right, okay. If, if, sorry, let's let's please, please, PJ, please, uh, uh, Neil. If 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 her husband had died five years ago, surely there's a thing there that says widow. I think it does. It might say yeah. married, divorced, well, like widowed. Taken. Well, I, I'm but she's none of the above. She is what would have been called years and years married. ago. <laughs> sorry. I mean, I, sorry. I, I, you have to stick. Sorry, she has a legal status. She's married. So it's tough then, tough then. Track him down, well, tough love. to respect, but, right. but, she, okay. but that's her status. Okay, all right. Okay, appreciate that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Just one or two before I leave you. Thank you. A shop steward got in touch. I was a shop steward for many years. That person who's having difficulty in the workplace, please pass on my details to that person. I will speak to them about their work process and their rights and how to handle the issues of anxiety, stress, bullying and sexual innuendo in the workplace. I will do that and I didn't even read out any of the emails or any of the texts that came in on it from people who've been in a similar scenario. Here's some of them. Liz says, go out on the sick for now and look for other jobs in the meantime. If you're there five years, you will get sick pay. I know a girl that was out for six months with stress from the workplace. She probably found another job but her work still paid her while she was out up to a certain time. Then the government takes over the payment goes sick. Susan says, leave that job. It's not worth it. You can always get another job. Is money more important than your mental health? It's not because your health always comes f- It's not because your health always comes first. Look for another job and mind yourself. Yeah, but companies shouldn't treat employees like that. And, you know, you shouldn't just have to leave your job because you, the way you're treated in the workplace. I know what you're going through. I was in a job for 20 years or so and I got treated like you're being treated. I was at my wit's end. I escaped for want of a better word. And to be honest, it was like a huge weight was lifted. My advice is to get out. Break the cycle of abuse. That job and those employers and your workmates are not worth it. Joanna worked in a job where I was treated like crap. The people in there always had something to complain about me. I used to do all the dirty work. I just had enough of it one day. And I walked in with a smile on my face, gave one week's notice and quit. 
It was the best thing I ever did. I now work in a company who are so caring. They care about their employees. If there's any problem, it's fixed straight away. I'm actually listened to. Working in a place like you are is not worth it. Put your health first. Find a job you deserve. I just wanted two more. Dean says your mental health is the number one priority. I'm speaking from experience. My advice would be to start applying for new jobs as soon as you can. You can hang on working there um, for now. Um, just show up and do the minimum. It's your mental health that's at risk because of this place. And you should go maybe even sign on the dole for the time being if you can't even stick that. Nothing's worth your physical health and your mental health. Get out, says Kira. There's plenty of work out there. You're worth more than that. You'll end up getting sick if you stay there. And then things will never be the same. Nothing is forever. Remember that. Make the move. And Jade is a solicitor. Um, I would be happy to have a consultation free of charge with your listener to assess their situation and give them some guidance. No one should feel this way in the workplace. There is legislation in place to safeguard employees in these situations. And that's Joyce. That's uh, Joyce and Company Solicitors. Good company in the city centre. Thank you for that, Jade. We'll pass on that uh, information when we get off the air. Uh, back after the break, just to wrap. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Paul says, I know exactly what you're going through. I left my job after 14 years, five of which was at home struggling with depression. They made my life a living hell up to a step uh, that I was getting into work every day. And as soon as I step into the office, I was getting anxiety attacks. If you do not feel well, just leave. You're only good when you comply with their goals and their rules, as soon as you don't suit their needs or their goals, you're worth nothing and you are nothing more than a number. Point being here that nothing is worth being unhappy for, even your job. Uh, I mean, a wonderful thing would be to find a passion. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to have a job that you absolutely love and those that have it are very, very lucky indeed. Our lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.